0: Good evening or afternoon or morning wherever you might be in your life and your day. How's your rush hour Earth? commute? Yeah, sure. I don't know where you're listening to us on a bicycle, on a train. Uh, welcome to a new completely unnecessary podcast for t- Tuesday, March 22, 22. 2002 You're a fucking ham 2016 <laughs> Alongside Ian Ferguson Howdy I'm Pat Contry Boy do we have an action packed CU podcast for you Non-stop action Non-stop This is what happens when you don't do three weeks in a row When you actually give it time to breathe out Yeah. You know you have a lot of stuff uh, happening We're talking about the Wii U possibly Ceasing production At the end of 2016 The end of game consoles as we know it A sealed sealed shipping box of original ntsc stadium events is pretty much confirmed to exist i told you so people jim sterling being sued by a game developer and lots more indiana jones coming back all oh, the early batman v superman reviews are streaming in uh but first we
1: got a sponsor yes we do and our sponsor is embraceware Hey guys, Jerry here from Embraceware. We have a new game coming soon, which is named Wee Man Sniper. If you would like to be notified when the game is released, enter your email address at weeman.com. That's W-E-E-M-A-N. It'll be available on iOS, Android, Mac, and PC. As always, you can get a sneak peek of what we're working on by checking us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're at slash Embraceware on each. Thanks, Jerry.
0: Thanks, Jerry, for being a proud sponsor of the CU podcast. We do have a Patreon, Patreon dot slash
1: pixel pixel sickle. S I C L. If you want
0: to see this, see this uh, in its entirety in video form without having to wait uh, for those, you know, those, those 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 pesky segments that are chopped up. Who needs that, right? Who needs that
1: besides most people that enjoy it? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what's going on in your world, Dean? Um, I had a friend in from out of town this past weekend which was cool. So a bunch of us were hanging out and uh I ended up playing a lot of games, which is not something I normally do. Uh What are games? <laughs> I actually bought like a mainstream AAA title and I'm really enjoying it in the division. Um oh. I, I, it's it's a Tom Clancy game of all things. I think it's pretty fantastic. Um I've been playing poker tournament which I'd actually love to do a bit more in-depth talk on, but probably won't. Uh, it's it's really fun mechanically. The roster is super small and disappointing for a series that has 700-something characters. But lastly, um, a little indie game that I played that I think you would actually be in- interested in. It's yeah. called uh, it's called Keep Talking and No One Explodes.
0: I've heard of that. I think they did that on uh, on a James and Mike Monday or Cinemasterly did a video.
1: Perhaps, yeah. It's Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. And what it is is... a. Uh, you basically you buy the game and you actually get like a 25 page manual to print out and it's a bomb diffusing manual and you toss it to one to however many people you want to hold on to it who plays the bomb experts and uh you sit with your computer screen only facing you and it randomly generates a bomb uh and you have to describe the modules and they go through the book and to keep things fresh and randomized, it's not like each module is disarmed the same way every time. So if you're looking at a module with, you know, wires going, uh, horizontally, you know, the first thing you need to determine is there three, four or five. How many red wires are there? Are there no black wires? If then do this, you know, cut this wire. So it's all written in a sort of confusing way to like make, to make communication very important. And, uh, it was just a super good time, like to have a group of people in the living room yelling back and forth. Uh, and I mean, we honestly um, diffused far less bombs than we so, blew up, but it was a good time. I'll just say,
0: how do you, does the game know when you stop talking? Is it literally like a microphone? No, expl-
1: it, I mean the keep talking and no one explodes part is just an incentive. You're not, it, it, that's, just no, an that's just what you're, that's just the name of the game. Okay. The, I mean you have a you have like a five minute time limit or a ten minute time limit, and you know between communication, they have to tell you how to disarm the bomb without looking at it. Oh, that makes sense. Sure. So, it's it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Sorry, I'm adjusting the, the audio levels on the mics because you're coming in loud. That's fine. Someone uh, someone was giving a shit for wearing headphones on the podcast and said they've never seen us uh, adjust an audio level before, so... Um, well, they must have not have seen the early podcast where we didn't wear them and they and they'd end up sounding like shit.
0: Yeah, well... Do we do the first two of my bedroom or just the first one? Uh, first three. I first think. three? Yeah. We looked totally different back then.
1: Uh, some so, people just so. like to suck ass. Anyways. <laughs> what?
0: Okay. How's your life? Oh man. Um, so the the book's hopefully done. I said that like a week ago, but then uh, I put out the digital version first because I figured that'd be smart to get people to help me like proofread it after it's been proofread like four times. And then you know, I, I there were some little things, double words that were annoying. Um, one one game I found had the totally had the info box wrong. This isn't to scare you off from from looking into the fine book, <laughs> but you know. So mistakes are be bound to happen. There's so many entries. But, um, changed a lot of stuff. Um, and hopefully it's good to go, so I'm going to be proofing the physical one this week. That's what's going on there. Then I can start the, ne- the next DVD. Uh, and sometime in there, I'll, I'll, there'll be a break that I can do ha- do something, but probably not. I may all go see Batman v Superman. You know, it'll take three and a half hours at the theater uh, this weekend. I guess there's an intermission. <laughs> uh, there should be. And You know, you can go into the gym. Uh, trying to try eat a little bit better. A little bit. Then again, I say that I made a cake last week that was delicious, super moist. Uh, Betty Crocker, yellow, yellow, yellow chocolate frosting. Yes, yes, I know. Frank's favorite. That's my second favorite. My first favorite is the uh, chocolate cake, you know, devil's food cake with the buttercream, oh, yeah, white. That's quite good. My mom yes. used to make me that for my birthday. That's a nice one. That's why I was fat.
1: It's a good cake, though.
0: It's a very, it's a very good cake. My grandma used to make my grandma used to make it from scratch, the entire thing. That's where we got it from originally.
1: My favorite cakes: uh, black forest and German chocolate.
0: Frank doesn't like the uh, German chocolate one well, because he doesn't like the coconut on
1: it. I oh, see. That's, that's I like where it. it's at for me.
0: Vaughn's has a great one. You ever get yeah. it from Vaughn's? No. They do a double-decker one. It's only like 13 bucks. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Or single-decker uh, is like only 8
1: I will have to look yes. into this. No, Vaughn's <laughs> has really
0: good, really good pastries. Like, surprisingly good. I think
1: I've had stuff from them before, yeah. They make
0: mini cannolis now every once in a while. Um, and they do they do individual cake slices for two fifty. Now, this will be a cake segment now, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so, speaking of cake, uh, if you want to order the book... I actually have a, I have a, a a good easy to remember. I finally have a, some of my store set up. It's not gonna be permanent, but go to the the ultimate NES, and you can get the the physical book, digital, or the handy dandy combo pack and save ten dollars uh, on that. And I'll email you the download code uh, for that. And other than that, yeah, sort of plugging along. I get a haircut soon, and I'll be uh, where I'm gonna be at. I'm gonna be in a month at Retro Houston, in the middle of the month, and then. Retro Spill messen or retro game convention, in Sandefjord, Norway, and that's uh, oh, wow, is that two months away? It's two months away. So that's uh, middle of May, May fourteenth. That's what's going on. Ian, <laughs> there's, there's a rumor going down. Yep, gotta so, get out of town. Um, um that th- the, the, the that the Wii U is going to be ceasing production. <laughs> you just started. We just mangled it. <laughs> <laughs> My name was the start. Yeah, but I was, I was trying to segue. I guess.
1: <laughs> uh the Ian would have been a good enough segue. So the there is a there is a, uh, a a rumor that you can probably take take pretty to the bank solidly. Yes, um, coming from uh, uh, Nikkei, which is a, a Japanese newspaper. Um, that the Wii U will be ceasing production this year. Uh, the announcement kind of came out of nowhere today, but I i got to be honest, I'm not particularly surprised. All of the current talk is is really leading people to believe that the, and I guess we can touch on this in a little bit, um, the, at least... Part of the NX is going to be hitting, uh, you know, sometime later this year, probably holiday season. Um, the the article goes on to say that you know certain Wii U accessories are already being discontinued. Uh, I have a and they didn't say what, but I have a little insight I think into that. Um, you know, the Wii U made use of all of the Wii's uh, controllers. Uh, I could nunchucks, make use of almost all of the pads, the accessories. The the the, um, the nunchucks, the Wii Motes, the um, the classic controllers, etc. And when the Wii U came out, a lot of that stuff simply transferred over and was put in a different box that said Wii U instead of Wii. So I think like stuff like that is probably already being uh, no longer produced because there's already uh, there's, a a glut- there's a glut of it out there. Yeah. Uh, and they probably have enough backstock to last them for quite some time. And that's also what what is kind of fueling this rumor with the Wii U, um, that there is enough backstock, there's enough stuff in warehouses here to last them uh, a year to two years and if the NX is really coming out um, as hot and fast as they say it is, uh, there's really no need for them to continue producing Wii U units Um, I I think this is taking people by surprise though because it does in a way uh, make people realize that Nintendo is moving on from the system in a a quick manner
0: when I first saw it I was like I'm going to take it with a grain of salt but then as you said when I thought about it yeah they probably made enough of these And plus, they're remaking them this year. That If if the sales are slowing down, they're going to have enough to to send out to uh, distributors for the next year, at least. Well, let's say, like,
1: even you, like, you're more of the, they're going to take a little bit more time with the NX. Um, That's exactly right, though. Even if they do take more time with the NX, it'll be out within two years. And if they have two years' worth of Wii U systems, that's more than enough.
0: However, though, this flies uh, against everything Nintendo's ever done with their consoles, where they've always produced their current console. Uh, at least a year or two into the new console. Whether it was the NES, the NES was produced until what 94, the Super Nintendo was still being produced until what 99, 98. You can probably still buy it new or in stores the second model of that. So I mean, um in this case, I think this is this is a failure uh in terms of sales. The, obviously compared to the what well, the Wii did so much that it was never going to get close. But it it's on, what, GameCube numbers? You know, or something in that ballpark? Yeah, so- I mean,
1: I, I think it's a different market. I know what you're saying, but I don't think Nintendo... It, it's not this. It, it's not the, the small market it used to be. It doesn't behoove Nintendo. It doesn't make any sense for Nintendo to keep producing Wii U's. Um, and I think they're going to take a hint from the Wii, actually. As much money as the Wii made them, when they tried to continue producing the Wii as the Wii Mini... I mean, how many of those do you see? I never see them come into the stores. You still buy them I, in stores, some of them. So I, I, don't I, I don't think that they they it did particularly well. And that was a system they made money on. So, But, you know, the interest level had severely uh, uh, fallen by the time they'd put that out. Long story short, I, I think Nintendo realizes that it's not in their best interest to throw any more money at, at production of these.
0: Well, according to this news, I mean, uh, this article on IGN is that If this is a modular modular system, it's saying that the portable, whatever part of this is coming out this year, and the home console version or parts coming out next year. I'm still still going to hold to my gut and say that you're going to see the actual console in 2017. I think it's way too soon uh, this winter, just because remember when the Wii U was talked about, and revealed at E3 uh, 2011. It was a full year and a half before it came out after it was first revealed. So I think rushing it six months after E3 is a little bit too much, especially since you already you still have the developers saying, we have no idea, like, we don't, we don't have a dev kit. You know, they have to still, I think, lay the groundwork uh, for this still. Sure,
1: and it, it helps. Um, it, it, when you link it back to those rumors we talked about last podcast where they did not talk about any sort of console top box that this has always been talked about is a handheld console hybrid, I think there's some credibility here um, because then everything that was talked about with the handheld suddenly makes sense. And then if the console portion, the home console portion is a separate unit that comes out next year, then that could potentially answer the questions of backwards compatibility uh, and physical media and things of that nature. And then they can take care of
0: uh, sort of you know, uh, two segments at once. If less people are buying uh, 3DSs, it takes care of that with the handheld, Mm -hmm. and then it holds it off until a little more time to get the console version.
1: And that would probably keep your Wii U customers happy, too, because the 3DS now has had a long and successful lifespan, whereas the Wii U is still, you know, kind of young. I mean, if people, even if if it's artificial, if they feel like they're getting an extra six months to a year out of their console, they're going to be happier.
0: I, I would, it would behoove Nintendo... Whatever first party games they're coming out with, obviously you're gonna still have your Zelda. The Star Fox one, you know, is there. Um, it's really strange not having a Metroid on the Wii U. That's really strange. Maybe that maybe that'll maybe they'll hold that off for the next
1: seems system. like every other console they didn't have one on the sixty four. That's right. They didn't.
0: Well they had GameCube though and, and Wii. Mm-hmm. They had multiple yeah, ones on that's those true. though. That's true. So they were published yeah. oh, every every right. almost every two, three years. You're right, I forget that. So so I think this is this is I just think Nintendo shouldn't stop software support for at least a full year, if not a year and a half, going into maybe early 2018.
1: Well, depending on how they... Th- Ooh, I don't know about 2018.
0: But I think... Early. Uh, <laughs> maybe not be, but it would next. I would think that the next year, in 2017, you've got to have at least one big release still, besides Zelda, which is going to be the end of this year. It's, always, it's strange to have Zelda be this sort of the, the last big title on a Nintendo system. That's really strange. To be like this, we're going to go out with a bang... You know, with the big Zelda. Especially... They did
1: that with GameCube. Oh, they did. Yeah, Twilight Princess. Th- that was at the end of it. Twilight Princess was right at the end. That's why they made it. It was on the Wii as well, and that was it. Oh, I mean, but I, but, but, but I, that I...
0: wasn't the first one though. They had they had uh, Wind Waker.
1: Yeah, but it doesn't matter. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see them releasing a Zelda, uh, and is an indicator that that it can't be the last game.
0: Sure, it's just strange because Zelda. I played it, or at least saw the demo in 2011. That's what they were demoing. Like it was there. I, they, obviously, it changed graphic style between now and then. Now yeah, it it's more cel shaded, but I mean, it was there to see. Like, it was, so it's going to come out, you know, f- five and a half years after the original, you know, demo. That's just a long time, but it's probably going to be gangbusters. I think why not? It's going to sell a ton.
1: I'll get it. It know? might depending on I mean how things look. Just because I was so satisfied with my Wii U experience, it could very well be the second ever console I buy at launch, but. I mean that remains to be seen. So, all
0: right, so uh, just to sort of recap real quick, that they're going to s- cease production doesn't mean you're gonna, you are going to. see the stores; they have tons, of, tons in the factory still getting made this year, and they're going to have them. They just don't want to have a deluge of a deluge of these, you know, going forward with the NX. To you know, the, 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 the retail shelf space they don't want to have their old console. and They're trying to transition forward, obviously.
1: I feel like if they drop the price, I mean, anyone oh, who's will. interested should buy one. I mean, because even they, Because even if they don't support it with many more releases, I, as I've always said, things like Splatoon and Smash Brothers and Mario Kart, um, with the exception of the rumors of Smash Brothers, those are games that are probably not going to get released for a couple of years into the NX's lifetime. You're going to get plenty of play time out of these titles, and you're going to be able to do it for a lot cheaper. Yeah,
0: I, I just think uh, again, yeah, you're probably going to see this in 2017, the main console. Um, It'd be interesting, though, just to see the backwards compatibility issue, which, if they stop making the controllers, would that have any effect on the backwards compatibility one way or the other? I think it would be really really a bad mistake to not have backwards compatibility with the Wii U on the NX, but we'll have to see with that. Speaking of new game consoles, or the next generation, a couple of articles uh, basically came out one about the Xbox One, one about the PS4, The the this article was from Science Alert, and it was titled, The Future of the Xbox could mean the, could mean the End of Game Games Consoles as We Know It, the End of an Era, uh, relating to comments made by Microsoft's Xbox Chief Phil Spencer talking at the Xbox Spring Showcase event. He hinted that in the future of the Xbox One, Microsoft's current games console could receive continual hardware upgrades over its lifetime, rather than being limited to a particular uh, console generation of you know one piece of hardware every several years, um, and, and likewise, there is some mumblings about possibly there being a quote unquote PS four point five that'll be released, which will be sort of a PS four, but then an upgradable PS four for the future, which I guess would could mean to me being able to upgrade uh, the RAM, uh, maybe the graphics card, uh, hell, potentially maybe the maybe the processor or internal hard drive. But it's interesting because, not that I'm a big prognosticator on this, or you are, but I've always said that I, I always thought this was the last true console generation. Not just because of diminished diminishing returns of graphics, but because I think with uh, the way games are distributed now, there's more games on Steam easier to get. Uh, computers are a lot more affordable than they used to be, and they're more powerful. That, And these are these consoles are computers. PS4... And Xbox One are basically underpowered computers. Oh, we talked about out. years ago. I mean, yeah. the
1: architecture between the PS3 and the PS4 and the 360 and the One changed so much that they are basically computers with a bit of proprietary parts in them.
0: So it, it would make sense <clears> to <throat> one degree because, I mean, uh, say you know I, I don't think the Xbox One or PS4 is going to have only a four-year lifespan like the like the uh, the Wii U. But imagine if it did. All of a sudden, I got to spend six hundred more bucks on a brand new console only four years later. That's insane. That, that I just don't see a, a, lot, a lot of people would balk at that I think
1: yes i you know. i I, I hate this idea, like, fucking poison. I think it's awful. And if this is the route it goes, this will be the last console I purchase, with the exception of Nintendo consoles. And I'll just go fucking computer. The only reason I ever... Bu- I, the reason I love consoles is, is... is the I mean, I hate how they try to fucking make this sound exciting. It really bothers me. Oh, you'll be able to... No, the reason why consoles were great was exactly because you did not need to upgrade them. You knew there was a trade-off. You were trading off power... For the ability to buy something and bank on seven to eight years of support, where you bought the game, put the disc in, and fucking played your game. Updates and all that stuff aside, remember when? Play again. Um, updates and all that shit aside. One podcast without mentioning. <laughs> Just one e. <Ian. laughs> no, it was. It, it was not it, it was an. Ex- I mean, it, that's a. That's a slightly deeper cut. Anyways. Um, that's the reason why consoles, I think, are popular. If you have to start upgrading your console, the problem is, is you split your consumer base. Yes. People already are used to this sort of thing on PCs. People know that there are some games that they can't play. But no one expects that from a console. This is why when Nintendo has done their... Nintendo has done this to a degree before. The DSi was a slightly more powerful system than the DS. Um, only one or two games made use of that. The new 3DS is does have a faster processor and has one or two exclusives. But they're smart enough to know that they cannot lean on that and release a bunch of stuff that can only work on the newer system. But it's
0: not like the games are, are going to be operating at a different frame per second, like on the handhelds versus this where you are now, you're basically turning it into a computer experience where some people potentially will have better frame rate and better graphics versus others and that's in terms of competitive play that's a huge deal
1: well my question is is that really what it is because it, it hasn't been said it's still rumor with the With the Nintendo handhelds it's you can or cannot play unless you have this upgrade I mean at some point a computer is the same way you can or cannot play unless you're at this level
0: but then that's saying though no, it's not optional that's saying that's basically selling you a new console but just in pieces I'm looking at is it, it basically turning it into a computer that you can upgrade optionally. If you want to play with um, 4K resolution, you got to buy the new graphics card. We're going to come out. Okay. Otherwise, you can play in crappy 1080p because 1080p is awful. awful. You know, at, at 60 frames per second. That's the way I'm looking at it, and, and that's splitting your your consumers in another way though like i said because then you have people playing call of duty in you know 60 frames per second uh 4k versus someone's maybe they hit only 4k at 30 frames and so that can really that can make it have someone really have an edge or not or turning off fog effects or you know or what how far away are buildings drawn and that's really the options that if you really go down this dark path on a pc that's what you're looking at yeah. all the little options when you're turning on and off different uh, graphics uh, options in order to bump it up a few frames per second. It's scary to think about on a console because, first of all, Again, I don't think consumers want that, no. necessarily. It's going to cost the consumers more in the long run, I think, because now these companies can say, instead of us selling you a $500 console, year one, we'll sell you a $200 graphics card. Year two, we'll sell you a RAM upgrade. Year three, here's a processor upgrade. And not just that. Now I've got to install this shit myself if I don't have experience doing it on a computer. I'm sure they'll make it easier on a console. They're going to have to, it's or else they're going to break yeah. warranties left and right. But it just sounds like
1: a bad idea. Yeah, make. it does. And I mean, this is, like I said, why, why this whole, um, speak about how exciting this would be is, is utter bullshit. And it angers me to no end. Um, you know, if, if that's how the PS4 goes, cause that's what I own, uh, I may consider supporting it until the end of it. But like I said, it would be my last console and I would buy a gaming rig the next time around because there's very little that's at this point exclusive.
0: So, it's, so basically you're probably looking at, then if this is going to happen, it'll be like next year they're going to have a PS4.5, and then you can still have your PS4 and play games, but they might be at a shittier resolution or frame rate than the 4.5 with the graphics upgrade. That's what i will look at. So it's not going to push the PS4 out of the way, but like you said, you're going to divide your consumer base in half. I wonder how much the VR has to do with this, and how much processing power is needed for that.
1: It actually says that there might be a VR attachment that does not affect the GPU or the CPU, but would affect something somehow. Maybe the resolution. Not, maybe it has
0: its own processor, or so, some of that nature. Sure.
1: So to continue on, uh, and this kind of, I think this this links well with um, the previous topic, is um, there is now the potential for PlayStation Four and Xbox One crossplay. Now, let me step back a little bit. Uh, PlayStation uh, 4 at the outset was kind of meant to be an, an open console, at least in, in so much as it would communicate with PC. Uh, they PlayStation's actually been pretty good about this. What, what I don't think a lot of people realize is, all the way back to the PS2 uh, PlayStation had cross, cross-platform cross play. You could do Final Fantasy XI between PC users and PS2 users. right. And uh, uh-huh. there was cross-platform on the PS3 between Guilty Gear XR and Guilty Gear XR on the PS4. There might have been another PC cross-play game, but I'm not pr- particularly sure. And then right now you've got Street Fighter 5 that cross-plays with the PC. So Sony has not been particularly um, object has not really objected to this. Um, Xbox did. And Xbox has always looked at Live as a very closed console, as a closed system. They certainly did on the 360, which pissed off Valve, which is why Valve decided not to really do anything else with them after the Orange Box. Um, and well, they they did do Portal 2. Anyways, um, they, uh, Team Fortress 2 never got its updates. Anyways, uh, so This was a big reason why Street Fighter V gained exclusivity on on Sony. Um, One, because Sony offered to bankroll it. But I I, I highly doubt Microsoft did not at least take a stab at trying to get Street Fighter V with money. um, Because I'm sure Capcom would have taken anyone's money. But Capcom's unwillingness to do cross-platform play probably pissed off... um, is unwillingness to do cross-platform play probably pissed off Capcom, because Capcom wants to unify their tournament base as much as possible. Yeah. So when they looked at the option of just Xbox or PS4 and PC, they realized that, that was the better option. Now Xbox is having an about face, and they want people to be able to play Rocket League on Xbox One and PC. Rocket League is an incredibly popular uh, like remote-control car-based soccer yeah, game. it's a soccer game you drive around. It's fun. I'm not particularly good at it. Um... And they said that they'd be willing to uh, do this with with Sony. Now, Sony says that it would actually be fairly easy, and that the groundwork is basically already in place. But you know, they, they largely say that business stuff could get in the way. Now, the, besides all this, what I think that how this relates to potentially the end of consoles is um, Microsoft did a sudden about face, and they're also doing it with Windows 10. Um, they went from always wanting closed things to wanting open things. Um, They kind of want this open network. And if all these systems suddenly become open, there's less and less to distinguish them from other systems, which means that eventually we're just moving to name-branded computers. Um, I mean... And that's Which is what we said
0: the PS4 and Xbox One were, yes.
1: basically. And while I'm all for people being able to cross play, I would love to be able to cross I, play with people on the Xbox One various games. Like, that would be great, but I do think that is a. That's foreshadowing for a or, distinct change or the end of consoles.
0: Or one of these consoles is going to go down.
1: Well, I think Xbox is doing an about face because they're not doing well.
0: Well, they're probably doing an about face because they probably. Like you said, because. Well, Danny went down there. Oh, okay. Because. Losing Street Fighter Five is a huge deal, and if that was a deal breaker, they must realize we can't. If if uh, if, if developers and publishers want to be able to go to PC at least, we got to be open to it. Or else they're not going to want to play ball with us. Yep. So they ha- they have to. It was basically like the same about face uh, when they announced the awful DRM, and when Sony said we don't have any, they're like, oh, okay, we don't have it either anymore. <laughs> so it seems like for some reason it's so re- weird because. Microsoft, you know, they, they own the Windows platform, and I don't see why they will want, to, want to at least promote that cross You know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't they want to do that? You're not, I understand that a lot of Windows are packed in, but they're still making money on those packed in with computers. So, why not promote the cross platforming with Windows at least with the Xbox One? That to me would be a no brainer to do that. Why would you shy away from that? Right. You own both. Yeah, you basically own both platforms. So why not?
1: Well, and that's the thing, and, and that's another one of the, the the things that I think is causing them to do this. Like I said, uh, I don't know a whole lot about the the, the Windows operating systems or, or computers in general, but uh, my my friend said that uh, kind of coinciding with this, Microsoft did an about face on their um, operating systems, and that's what Windows 10 is all about is about being more open and connecting with more yeah. and not being so closed. So it's, it's weird
0: because at the end of the day, Microsoft's in a lot better financial shape than Sony, but it, Sony's making the better decisions, it seems, of this generation uh, in terms of, you know, the console war, quote-unquote. Uh, but they, do not, they The not question is, on. is it
1: going to fucking matter anyways? Yeah,
0: five years down the line, if we just have upgradable console boxes that we're putting parts in, there's no more consoles except for whatever Nintendo's putting out.
1: Then they're all Steam machines. Yes, exactly.
0: They're all going to be Steam machines. That's if, exactly what they're going to be. And Steam machines might replace... Regular computers for people that don't want to, you know, what I mean, they just want something, or at easier. least
1: like people like me who are who are using like a a, a, a mildly decent laptop to play like yeah. indie games. I, you know,
0: yeah, I love the idea of Steam Machine personally. <clears throat>
1: <laughs> it's odd how all of this is kind of related. So, continuing with weird shit going on with consoles, um, I believe this is something that Steam once considered and then and then dropped. Although uh, I could be wrong, uh, but Microsoft is considering. Uh, Trade ins on digital games, which doesn't make any goddamn sense because, what? uh, there, I mean, you, how do you trade in something that's infinite and not physical? And not actually ever used. used. Like, it's not like a physical game that you can, right. you know, scratch or make dirty. So basically, what it appears to be is a really, really small discount program. Not so much a trade in, but, uh, I mean, and this to me doesn't seem it's, like it's just—it's dumb. So I mean, one—you're not trading you're not anything. Not trading in anything. anything. What bits and bytes? What it looks like is they're <laughs> contemplating allowing you for a downloaded digital game. They're allowing—they're contemplating allowing you to basically revoke your license to use it, wipe it off your system, and you'll get ten percent of what you bought it for in credit towards another game. That's—that's that's that's, nothing. That's robbery. That's, that's basically robbery because they're not getting anything back for the trade in, except if they
0: want to get the game again, they have to pay full price again.
1: So if that's you buy they... a sixty dollars game, you're getting six dollars in credit towards something else. That's
0: not that's that's. Why don't just give the discount anyway for just for, for being a good customer and then frequent a frequent buyer club or something.
1: My other question is this: What if you bought the game for sixty, but when you go to quote unquote trade in your digital copy, the game's now going for nineteen ninety nine? I mean what which which trade in price would you get? Because it's- they say off the purchase price. Um and the other, the other thing that I think is weird about this is, uh, you know, one of the things people complain about with digital titles, and Sony's kind of done good with this by having a lot of flash sales, and Microsoft might be doing this too, um, but the price on digital games stays a l- just stupidly high. They never drop in price. You could go buy a physical copy of a game for 20 bucks used, and, I mean, they'll still be charging you 49 or 59 for it well, on, a, on a network. Because,
0: of the, because Microsoft's not making any money on the used physical item, but they're right. making it on... So,
1: you know, does this mean that suddenly we'll see price cuts in digital copies of games so they don't have to give you as much back? I mean, I don't know. I, I just, I find the whole idea very, very strange. It's
0: not well thought out. Just like their DRM model wasn't when no. they first la- launched the Xbox One. They're trying to find creative ways to make more money that are, I, I don't use this word that much, but it's asinine.
1: Yes. And you do it's use a, that word a bit. But, really? it's, but it's a good word. On the podcast I use it? Yeah. Or just when yeah, to I, you? I, I, when you upset me. Maybe maybe just when you're talking to me. <laughs> um the only good that thing I can see coming out of this is, like I said, if 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 it's based on the price the game is at currently, then they there would be incentive for them to actually lower the price on digital games, which is the which would be great because that does uh, need to happen.
0: This has for this to work even at the least bit. First of all, you can't call it a trading because you're not trading anything in. It's not used. It's just hard drive space that you no longer have anymore. That's right. wiped out. It's got to be like fifty percent off on another game. That's the only. It has to be something like that. Ten or twenty percent ain't gonna cut it. It's got to be like okay, I played this game for five m- months. I'm not playing anymore. You know, but I want this game. Give it to me for thirty instead of sixty. But they'll never do that because that's too much
1: off the price. I would expect like thirty-three point three percent repeating.
0: This this will this would lead to even less digital sales, I think. Something like this. People will just say, I'll get the
1: physical, I can trade it into GameStop at least and get more Mm, I don't think it'll lead to less. I mean, right now there is no option. Digital sales are up like crazy. But but this would discourage me from ever buying something digitally, personally. Ever. More than now with no trade-in option? I don't know why it would discourage you more. It's
0: insulting.
1: Well, sure, but I mean... On a base consumer
0: level. No? You don't see that? Right.
1: I, I, I mean, I, I, I kind of get where you're going, yeah. but like I said, the, the, o- the only positive aspect would be the potential lowering of prices, which would be good for consumers. 10 percent's nothing, though. Uh, I mean, the lowering of the actual a- price. Oh, the, you mean the overall price. If they're going to discount you based on its current price, they will not want to keep games at forty nine ninety nine forever. But they they'll never drop do that. The price. They'll
0: never drop the price of digital versus physical, because they're making so much more profit on the digital. Well, that's, know. that's fair. They'll never do that. They're just greedy bastards. What are you going to do?
1: the kick rocks. My Nintendo is launched in Japan. Uh, Your finally. Nintendo got there? Uh, yeah, my did. Mine did. Your sister? Uh, and <laughs> Nintendo's naming is always kind of weird. So this is kind of the long-awaited. Um, uh follow up to Club Nintendo. Now if you don't know what this is or if you're new to Nintendo, Nintendo ran a program through the uh Wii D S, Wii U and three D S, uh most of those eras anyways. And the beginning of Wii U. Wasn't beginning it? of the Wii U. Yeah. Um where basically you bought a physical copy of a game I think even maybe a digital copy. Yeah, digital copies eventually happened. It allowed for you'd find a code in there. You'd sign up for an account. You'd put your code in. You'd answer a two to three minute survey. Really nothing painful, and they would give you coins. And as you amassed coins, you could use them to buy neat little tchotchke out of their shop. Um, one of the coolest things was I have a. Uh, they did a recreation of the ball game and watch.
0: Was, I, I missed out on that one, but they had the Nintendo hat over there. That's from from there. Um, they had, uh, I think, a T-shirt. I got the T-shirt. It was I, I when I closed up my account. What was that? A year, year and a half ago, I got the Mario t-shirt. Right. Exclusive. So yeah. Little puzzle stuff. Sometimes uh, they gave away a freebie if you got to a certain level, like silver or gold yeah, level. Was, so
1: there was gold and platinum levels um, that would, at the end of the year, you would get you know a prize. And everyone always fucking bitched about the prizes in the US because Japan got better prizes, but it was like, you it know was free shit No stuff. one else was doing it uh, yeah. for you. And I mean, you still got occasionally cool stuff. Like, I still love the stupid playing cards I got. They're clear plastic, they're shiny, they're nice. It's free. Um, so this is is a follow-up, and to me, I find it to be uh, quite a bit more confusing. Um, it's launching alongside Nintendo's uh, Mitomo app, which we'll actually be talking about in a bit. Mitomo um, is the beep. Mitomo um, is the first, uh, um, uh, you know, phone app that they're doing, and basically, you can earn coins of two varieties uh, gold and platinum coins and uh, gold coins can only be earned by buying physical goods so in that way it's similar to Club Nintendo and then platinum coins are earned by uh, accomplishing missions um, through mitomo and I'm going to imagine other Ooh, apps. That's it's almost like skee ball, but a fun version of it. Right. So things that you do in Mitomo, like check in every day, or change your outfit once a day, or do this or do that, will earn you platinum coins, and you can get all sorts of things like, um, you know, free games and uh, discounts on games. Free games. Um, you can get mitomo game tickets, uh, which is like an in-game currency. There's three in-game currencies. Oh, in Oh, I'm
0: gonna love this. It's gonna be like like playing skee ball. And that nickel game where they all fall down.
1: So it's it's kind of neat. I just find that the separation of the two coins thing is is kind of strange. But I, I understand th- why. I, I think it's it's one to keep people buying physical stuff, but two to keep to get people interested in in uh, Mitomo. And it doesn't look like. Um, it's, it, it's interesting how they're doing it. It's not like games can only be purchased with gold and you know, certain things can only be purchased with platinum. Both are purchasable by each, so it gives you an incentive to kind of do both. Um, how well it takes off here I think uh, remains to be seen. I'm glad that they've brought back a rewards program. I think it's great that Nintendo does this sort of thing. Uh, I just don't find this as cut and dry as I did with, with my, uh, Club Nintendo, which I liked greatly.
0: I don't have a problem with them having different currency if they want to push people to their, their mobile game. I don't have a problem with that at all. And they have to keep the currency separate because you're kind of screwing people that are buying the games to get coins versus people that are earning them for free. That's fine. And if, if if some of these are for 50% off on a game, that's actually a pretty cool... That is monetary value at the end of the day. I see 40% off of New Super Mario Brothers Wii U with 160 gold points. I mean, that's... That's, that's fine. Uh... Now, obviously, the platinum ones won't be as probably as as monetary value because you know, it's free stuff. But what are you going to do? It's 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 at least it's at least a reason to use the app. You know, there's at least something there. It's right. A, the same way, like I go to conventions and I'm, I have my 3ds and I'm doing the stupid free, you know, people walk by street me, street pass stuff, doing street pass stuff. It's just it, it, and that's just garbage puzzles that don't mean anything. You know, well, there's pieces. other
1: games, but I mean, yeah, you it, know what I mean. But some, yes.
0: it's it's the same sort of okay. It's addictive. It's not cost me real money, so why not? I have no problem with this, and at the end of the day, it's free. So you're getting free shit. So who cares? All right? Yep. Good on Nintendo. Don't worry. We're not total Nintendo fanboys. We're going to give them shit later. Don't worry.
1: So, to go along with um, this this uh, My Nintendo uh, rewards program that they're launching. They're launching it alongside what they call the first of five apps they're putting out this year, which I think is crazy because I mean it's already March and we haven't heard anything about the other apps. So you know I, I would imagine they've got to be pretty far along. So Me Tomo is kind of interesting to me, and I never realized with the name uh, Me Tomo that uh, until I read this article that uh, Me Tomo is going to be very similar to Tomodachi Life in a way, which was uh, a game that was released earlier. Uh, for the 3DS in which you create little Miis and you import your friends Miis and you live in a little village and they interact in interesting ways. So what you do with Mitomo is you create your me using basically the exact same character editor that they had in uh, Tomodachi Life and um, you'll answer questions and yeah, the friends that you have will pop in and tell you little things or you can guess the answers to their questions and it's just little interactions that they have. You can um, use game tickets to play, uh, which I, I don't believe are purchasable, with real money. I think only one currency is purchasable with real money. Um, but you can play, like, a, a Plinko-style game to ner- or new outfits. Uh, you can buy new outfits with actual money. Um, you can use candies, which are not purchasable with real money, to... Uh, you know, unlock things from your friends without waiting for them to, to, to ask you a question or whatever. What I find is cool with this is uh, kind of two things. One, it does actually interest me more than it ever did. It sounds like it would be a fun time waster, and it doesn't sound like you would need to dump a ton of money into this, even though there are obviously in-app purchases. Two, three or two of the three currencies from what this says are completely not purchasable with cash so they're things that you have to earn by actually playing this little this little app um, I also in one of the articles seemed to uh, kind of uh, find this to be a bad thing but I like it uh, there are no usernames um, what it does is is it will find you friends based on your Twitter account or your Facebook account and who you follow and it will populate your Mitomo game with those people I actually like this because it eliminates the need for yet another fucking username and password on another thing. If you're already, if you're going to play something like this, you've, you're already on one of those two social networks. Yeah, but then you're locked in though to
0: that group. What if you want to be separate? Is there an option to do it separately and start from scratch, or is it all about? The
1: well, I, I would imagine network? you can choose who to add or not add, okay. but it's going to it's going to give you those available options from your Twitter list. Which, like I said, I think is way better than having yet another login. Sure. So it's it's interesting. I mean, it sounds pretty shallow, but it, it 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 does sound like it would be amusing.
0: It's just a you know a general interaction game. It's like Street Pass to the next level, basically. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's a Street Pass type you thing add, with your you're, phone.
0: You putting your what your interests are and. Your, what your dreams are, or whatever, and, yeah. and, that's and how you it, interact with people.
1: And then you you couple it with the my Nintendo thing, which has the quote unquote mm-hmm. missions, which are things that you do within the game. Like like I said you uh, earlier in an earlier segment that you know you change your outfit a certain number of times a week, or you check in with a certain friend a certain number of times, and this grants you coins or whatever that you use to get real world items like games.
0: You think you can import your me from Wii U? You then you can do that.
1: Uh, if it's anything like Tomodachi Life, you might be able to use it as a. Base, but the 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 me quote unquote the me creation system is it more robust in, in Tomodachi Life, okay. which this uses, is far more robust.
0: Okay, I'm reading actually. Oh, you you can import existing me's through Q, QR okay.
1: code.
0: Okay, it, at least you can start with that and yeah, then alter it. But it definitely has pride, a lot. I take pride in my me. My one, especially on my Wii, look just like me on my, my Wii. My spiky hair back back. 2006. I feel like my
1: Wii U one is pretty accurate. Yours is pretty good. Is mine pretty good too? Yeah, you yeah, like mine? Yeah. All right.
0: I, I take pride. I my, go back to my creator wrestlers and fire pro wrestling six man scramble. I take great pride in my create <laughs> my created uh, characters. Uh, uh, so yeah, and I think it's already a million people downloaded in Japan already.
1: Yeah, I mean that's so, that's a lot. That's very quick. Whether it does that well here remains to be uh, seen. And it's, it's, is it free? Is it, uh, it's it's a free it's download. Just, it just runs on ads. It's a free download with in-app purchases. That's, that's just like every other free to play game.
0: That's fine. And uh, like
1: I said, with two currencies not purchasable with real money. I do think that that is at least a decent uh, olive branch from Nintendo saying you can still have fun with this yeah. by grinding. Now, yeah. I, obviously, they even say you're not going to earn enough coins to get your outfits without putting in a little bit of cash, but you can still do some of the other fun stuff without having to fork over real As
0: cash. long as it's not like that stupid EA game where you bought gas to... Remember that? You had to buy gas for the your car. for it's, speed. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have no problem with in-app Approaches for, like, oh, if you want to get a pretty hat, as long as it doesn't destroy the core gameplay concept. and you know, as long as you can still do what everyone else is doing, I have no problem with that. It's either that or you have ads all over your app to make money, you know. It wasn't going to be f- totally, totally free. You're going to have to pay one way or the other. I have no problem with this, as long as it's totally separate. They're not throwing, like, Mario games on here. You know, there's a photo op thing. Going on, I'm looking here. Yeah, whatever. It's it's harmless fun. I'll probably download it when it comes out. When's it going to come out in the US? Is, is there
1: a within within the month? They said. All right, we're
0: going to be there. I'm gonna I'm gonna be the ki- I'll be the king of of Mi-tomo. You heard it here first. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna stream myself playing it with a capture device. No, I'm not. All right. So we've we've talked about Jim Strolling on the podcast. I think before in the past, uh, getting shit for uh, talking bad about. Game developers, because he, you know, he reviews games or does first looks of games.
1: I never know how, to, I, how I feel about him. On one hand, I, kind, I I kind of admire the fact that he shoots from the hip. On the other hand, maybe sometimes he's going a little too overboard.
2: Uh,
0: yeah, because because guys like him or your pal Angry Joe, they are <laughs> they are putting on characters somewhat when they do their reviews. Yeah, and that's always a danger. When you're, when you're, when you're, especially when it's new games, when you're affecting, it's not like me or James talking about games that no one's making money anymore. When you're talking about Defender Two or Defender uh, Defenders of Dinatron City, no one's could potentially get hurt. When you're going after these games that are already there, or like this one on Steam, I would talk about, uh, well, developers digital homicide, and the game was a slaughtering grounds. You can potentially kill the sales of the current game or future sales. So you've got to be, I think, a little more nuanced in how you're being a professional reviewer. That's just my opinion.
1: No, uh, I, 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 I don't deny it. On the other hand, from what it sounds like, and I'm not particularly familiar with Digital Homicides games or whatever they, they, they used to go by. It was, it was on here somewhere. It,
0: it's, to me, it's the difference between when you're reviewing uh, a movie versus when you're reviewing a current movie with actresses and actors that are still existing. You can't fucking kill them. You and usually reviewers don't go off the off the grid and kill someone to a point because they know those are real people that are still working. Versus reviewing something that's fifty years ago, you're not affecting as much. So I think there is a difference to be said for how you review current versus old stuff. Not saying you can go easy on it, but maybe you lessen up the uh, rhetoric a little bit. Maybe you think about putting on the outfits or persona. With I know Jim Sterling, he 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 acts. Um, he has like a podium. And he has a goblet, he's, He looks like a dictator. That's like his persona in his review. Uh, you have to be really careful. I think not that they're in the right here because they're not uh, in following this lawsuit. But there, but there is a lawsuit being filed for for, so, for slander uh, against Jim Sterling here.
1: I think it's bullshit. Um, regardless of what you think about Sterling or his review styles, uh, Digital Homicide, uh, or their other name was Imminent Something, Imminent Uprising. Um, there, from all accounts, the games that these people uh, put out, all accounts, were basically churned out. Uh, for the sole purpose of making money, sure. uh, this is not the first time there have been people like this uh, on Xbox Live Indie Games. There was a, 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 a notorious uh, uh, game development uh, you know group uh, called Silver Dollar Games that basically just pumped out absolute bullshit. bullshit. Um, and but they would you Re- know
0: reused. Uh- <clears throat> Uh, graphics and models. For these graphics
1: they would put like you know uh, a trick with big boobs on the on the front of it, even though it had nothing to do with that um this these guys are basically it's been said that you know most of their games are using pre purchased unity assets so there's not a lot of actual work that's gone into them and basically they're they're pushed out you know to to simply make a buck there's not really a whole lot of of quality in it um I, I also I, oh, it's a
0: libel suit, not slander. I thought it was based on a video because he has some no. videos attacking these guys too. No, so that's it, where it, oh, that's where the feud started with these Romine yeah. brothers. Okay,
1: so what I mean, I'm I'm sorry, a negative review of a game is, and I think we've even touched on this before with a different topic, although the, the specifics are eluding me. Uh, a negative review of a game is, is, is not uh, a a, a re, is not a viable reason to sue for libel. No, it's not. Uh, and uh, and what 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 they are trying to say is that one of the things they're saying is that uh, he 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 falsely stated that they went by a, a different company name, but um, apparently they have gone by uh, many company names to continue pushing out these games. Um, I also find it pretty far-reaching. Uh, I don't know if you read this, but this is this is uh, fucking great. Uh, the alleged damages include a claim from Sterling that Digital Homicide impersonated Polish game company's ECC Games, harassment from Sterling's fan base, which is not Sterling's problem, and the fact that Sterling compared them to the wet bandits from Home Alone. This is not a joke. Count six libel per quote. The defendant states in the article, "Being as sly as the wet bandits," comparing the plaintiff to an incompetent thief, reference to the movie Home Alone. In context with the stolen image and wrongdoing of the corporate name impersonation, further tarnishes the plaintiff's reputation. Well, Please, it, I, 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 mean, well, that's what? that's the only
0: thing that you could actually go after someone for libel. I'm not saying you're going to win, but that's that's the only thing you can. You can't go after someone for a bad review, but if you compare someone to a thief. That's something you could go after someone for, but to win a libel suit is inc- or slander suit is incredibly hard because you have to then prove the counter. You have to prove that you're not a thief to a jury in a civil suit for a slander libel. You have to go overboard. It's very hard. It's happened before, right? Uh, and if- you can win these suits, but you have to basically put all your cards on the table to win one of these suits and show that we have not stolen. Uh, you know, maybe models or graphics for other games. We have not changed names of our companies seven times, and they won't do it. This is a scare tactic to get a settlement or to shut them up.
1: Which, which is, yes, which I don't think is going to happen. I mean, it closes, and this is why I find this really disgusting. Uh, Romain also told us that reprinting defamatory materials in your own words would result in liability on your part. Well, no, that's bullshit. Which, which uh, he goes uh, on to say, which sounds an awful lot like a threat to me. No. According to multiple sources close to this story, the story, destructoid no. does not kowtow to no, threats. No,
0: there's actually laws about uh, if, uh, if third parties reporting on stuff, uh, they get, a, they get all, automatically, they, they get a free pass because you're reporting on news. It's like saying you're going after us reporting on the story. You yeah, can't do that.
1: I feel like these are people who got caught releasing crap games to make money they got a bad review uh they're pissed off about it they want to take it out on a recognizable name to try to make an example of them and i don't think they realize what well, they're getting into
0: it sounds like this goes it sounds like these have these guys have history It sounds like sterling has singled out these guys uh rightly or wrongly for their bad games in the past and so I, it's it's the whole thing's silly obviously the whole the entire thing's silly sure it's just a silly situation this, this isn't going to go to court it, it, it won't get... They're not going to spend the money. Ten what Was it $10 million in damages? You can't prove that to begin with uh, that much for your Steam game. Uh, so, he's going to sue the CU podcast. The Sue You Podcast. There you go.
1: <laughs> now it's time for the part of the show where we go down on... Go down. We're going to
0: gonna gonna go down on someone? We're going
1: to go down on someone. Let's restart head <laughs> This is the time in the show where, where we are going to say something a bit negative about Nintendo. You uh, guys are fanboys! N- You're Nintendo's back pocket! Nintendo is woefully out of touch. I, I just... I mean, I've, I've said that before, and I will continue to they say that. They both said that
0: when it came to the copyright stuff.
1: And so, I, this carries over into Mario Maker, which was one of the most pleasant uh, surprises that they announced and released on the Wii U, um... Everyone has always wanted to make their own Mario levels. Everyone has, who's into games probably of a certain age remembers drawing out side-scrolling platformer levels on notebook paper, and they gave you the chance to do it with one, with like the most iconic video game character. Problem is, is a lot of people have started to see their levels deleted. Now, obviously there are terms of service and guidelines. You can't make a level that looks like a penis and expect it to stay up. It's going to it's gonna get the, the taken piece, down.
0: The penis is going to stay up? It's, gonna be, it's not going to stay up. It's, it's going to go down. flaccid. So yeah. It's gonna...
1: And go flaccid, um, but a lot of people have, have seen levels that have been considered perfectly fine with nothing, you know, uh, offensive or anything in them, taken down. Now, some of these are, you know, uh, test levels that might have, you know, uh, nothing but a flagpole at the end or like one enemy in a couple of steps, things that people made quickly and, and threw up or you know uh, something like that. That's a bit more understandable. You're trying to, you know, curate and clean out the. The, the, the levels so that when people actually play the, the, uh, the playthrough modes, they're not getting crap all the time. But now, um, uh, even prominent Mario Maker uh, streamers are having uh, their levels taken down. And uh, some are even seeing all of their levels uh, deleted. Um, David Grand Pooh Bear uh, has seen all of his levels taken down and he's a popular streamer there was nothing offensive about his levels um, but they all disappeared and he cannot get an answer from Nintendo as to why he is currently getting them, trying to get them reinstated but he's not sure if he can um, and to me this, there's, a, I don't know the reasons that this could happen, I mean I guess the sky's the limit with well, Nintendo he,
0: but, had, he had one removed in mid-January called Pile of Poo Pugatory but then they, they uh, brought it back it sounded like
1: yeah so, uh, who knows? Um, it could be, I mean, there is a way to flag levels. It could be a bunch of trolls flagged as levels and that got them taken down. But that shows that Nintendo's, uh, Nintendo's um, program here for that is horribly flawed if an entire guy's channel and an, or an entire guy's lo- uh, set of levels can be taken down merely by flags without people checking into them. If it's Nintendo taking them down without flags, there really does need to be a reason what this boils down to is there's no communication that this isn't a two-way street. There's no feedback. In most instances of bans or losing privileges or losing levels, you will at least, even if it's a blanket statement by someone like Valve when it comes to um, you know cheaters in a game, you get some sort of reasoning as to why your account is gone or why these things happen. In this instance, Nintendo isn't fucking telling anyone shit. And I gotta admit, that's gotta be really frustrating for people who I know who have spent... Hours upon hours on just single sections of levels to get them, you know, perfect, just to find that their level has been ripped down for apparently no reason whatsoever.
0: Yeah, Nintendo's uh, it's Nintendo Sandbox, and they're, they're sort of being something like they're being little babies a little bit when it comes to this. For the most part, I will say this though: it's, it's too bad there's no way to back these up, uh, these levels up yourself. To, you know, on a USB or whatever else, or in a cloud somewhere, just in case something like this was done erroneously.
1: Well, what you can, what, well, you are, your levels are backed up. They're backed up to you, and you can play your levels. The problem is, if your level is taken offline, you cannot just edit your level and re-upload it. You would actually have to recreate the entire level from scratch. So, uh, so
0: the actual finish level is still there to be played but for you. Just for you alone, so just, it is there. But just you, for you and but your you friends. You can't re-upload it, but you
1: can't re-upload it. And the whole point of Mario Maker is putting these levels up because there's the hundred Mario mode where you pick your difficulty level, you go through twelve levels that are randomly selected, like a, a randomly selected world. Uh-huh. And I mean, yeah, it's fun to play your levels with your friends, but the whole point uh-huh. is to share them and to have other people play them.
0: Um, and this grand poo, I guess he lost the medals earned, which I guess is the quality of the levels that people rate. And so you, you know, it's, it's almost like the prestige in the quote-unquote community.
1: And it, I believe it also it determines how often your levels get cycled into the hundred Mario mode and things like that. So it's just uh, it, it's a goddamn
0: it's a shame puzzling
1: thing, and it's a shame. Yeah, I
0: mean, it's not it's not the end to me. It's not the end of the world, but it is, it is something they got to they look into, obviously. No,
1: uh, I mean it would, it's uh, not the end of the world. But I will say this: if if I was a person who was super into Mario Maker and I had made twenty five levels that I had poured, you know, two hundred and fifty hours into. um, you know, or two hundred hours into, I'd be really fucking pissed. I, I, I mean, with, I mean, especially because there's no feedback. I, I just, I can't, I cannot fathom why there is no feedback. It
0: could be that Nintendo really thought this would maybe get as big as it it did. I mean, they didn't think people would be streaming it, or I, I, I watched. It. I don't know. Did you watch the video where he called the customer rep? At Nintendo,
1: when this uh, Pooh Bear guy called them. No, but I read transcripts of it. Well, that
0: won't endear himself to Nintendo if they find out that he's recording customer rep calls. Oh. Uh, because the customer service rep doesn't can't make any decision. They're just yeah.
1: They're I just read call. the transcript. I didn't. I didn't watch the. I video. mean,
0: he wasn't cursing at her, but he got a little bit. He got a little bit too antsy for me. It's a customer service rep. Getting agitated at them isn't going to do shit. No. Um, so I mean, there's a way to handle things. A way to not. I, I I would think that with the bad press from this, and it could be something. They, I'm not trying to to carry their water, but it's maybe something they didn't expect a situation like this to arrive this often. Maybe they're unprepared for it. Maybe they go back to Nintendo Japan to find out what what the way to operate. Maybe it's something that comes down from there. I don't know, but they got to put something in place on so some sort of infrastructure to handle this, because this, this is like takedown notices on YouTube, where there's no one to easily go to to find out about. So. I think Nintendo will take care of this, but maybe the wheels of justice over at Nintendo move slowly. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if slowly. they will.
1: Like I said, uh, they just seem so detached on so much shit. As much as I love them, I mean, they're they're, they're the grandfather who doesn't understand, I mean, how to answer a cell phone.
0: Well, Frank, Frank's good with his cell phone now. He texts more than me, I think.
1: <laughs> oh, GameStop. <clears throat> Time for another GameStop topic. It's been a while. It's been like a, like a couple months. <laughs> um... So GameStop is rumored to begin accepting uh, trade-ins on uh, Saturn's GameCubes, uh, GBA games again, um, uh, stuff like that. Basically, it's it's rumored, if not confirmed at this point, that they are going to expand their uh, retro game (laughs) um, initiative. Um, My thoughts on this are are, are pretty mixed. Uh, On one hand just from a business standpoint if i if i can just you know speak objectively here i think it's a very good idea for anyone who's selling video games right now to be selling gamecube games i mean we sell a fuck ton of gamecube games a lot of tons um yeah, oh yeah. Uh if 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 game if GameStop wants to make some money off of used games, GameCube's the place to do it right now. Um, same thing with N sixty four, which they're already doing, but GameCube is definitely the place. Um, game Boy Advance, I think there's a big enough market. People still bemoan the the um the end of, of, of GameStop selling GBA games when they come into the store. Um and but things like Saturn, on the other hand, I mean, I love Sega, and I know this came from the, the the particular article we sourced came from a Sega fan site. But Saturn doesn't make any damn sense to me because the stuff that's going to be most desirable is the expensive stuff, not the cheap stuff. No one wants it, and uh, as we've seen in the past with you know professionally printed blank snatcher CDs and things like that, oh, we're yes. opening up a uh, huge, huge possibility of counterfeits. And possibility,
0: also, you can go online and just yeah. order GBA games wholesale that are counterfeit. Well,
1: and I wanted to touch back on that. Um, As much as I think GBA is a good market to be in, even when GameStop still sold their Game Boy Advance games, everyone has stories about bootleg Pokemon on their shelf, because no one can spot it. So, while, yes, I think in the broad sense, monetarily, it's probably a good idea for them to start taking in things like GameCube and GBA in a perfect world where they did where they sold stuff properly. I think what they're opening themselves up to here is way more bullshit than than they want to than they should probably want to take on. Especially because if they open up GBA, the number one thing that they're gonna be selling is Pokemon and we're gonna get fucking notifications every three goddamn days about someone getting a bootleg Pokemon game uh, yeah. from GameStop.
0: Sega why would they go Sega Saturn? That, that's such a, like you said, most of the, the, the cheap games no one's going to care about. They're going to want the rare stuff yeah. that you can easily counterfeit. Then you're going to worry about scratch discs too on top of that. Then you're going to worry about if it has the case or not. The, the big ass, you know, Saturn cases.
1: Which are always crushed and broken. And that's
0: a lot of the value of a Saturn game that's rare, is that case and manual. The, the, yeah, the, the disc is worth something but not nearly as much. You know, so, this is a whole other can of worms. On top of the Repro Super Nintendo cartridges. The Chrono Trigger that's really a Madden 95, whatever. This is getting Pokemon games that are just flat out fake. But they play? Oh, they play, but they're not going to be the real game. So are people going to care? Are they going to check them? Or just play?
1: Well, the biggest problem with the Pokemon games is your save data corrupts all the damn time. Well, they're not going to care. They're going to say, oh, it works. We'll ship it out. Right. No. Um I, I just I'm very surprised Game Boy Color as well. I'm very surprised that they're doubling down on this oh as much God. as they are. Uh I really felt like with, with how it's gone for them so far, they probably would have sat on this for a year, put in some sort of standards where they could have spotted this a little bit easier. What's the like that like that fake fucking video that we always reference where, you know, people test this shit. Like, actually maybe do something like that before they decide to jump into even dicier territory.
0: So fun. They now have retro gaming bundles on their website. Uh, so, like, you can get the Nintendo Essentials bundle. This is new. I never saw this before. Because I don't check this shit because I thought we are done with it. So now there's an Essentials bundle where it looks like you get, like, uh, you get a Tetris... Zelda two, and Punch Out for forty bucks plus shipping. So they're putting together like yeah, uh, they're putting together like these bundles of games. There's a PlayStation One bundle. None are in stock, by the way. It looks like. Uh, there's a PlayStation Star bundle. I think they're looking to get rid of this shit. I think I think they realize. Well, that, I don't think that. I think they realize this. I'll believe this when I see it. I don't. I think they realize they made a bad mistake. I, I. don't see how they're making money on this
2: stuff.
1: And that's I why still is, don't. That's why this is still a rumor. Everything that I've looked at seems to me to say that they're they're not as confident in this as they were. They're not getting good PR. That's for sure. No. I'm not sure if that's worth anything to them, but they're not. Anyways, I mean I guess this remains to be seen and like I said from a pure business standpoint yeah GameCube's a great idea and so is GBA great that would that would make them money if they could pull it off right and scratch nothing discs. in the past has shown them uh, has given me faith that they can do this right so, just,
0: but just the, me, just the me alone going to the scratch discs that maybe- well they already
1: do discs I don't know why you're harping on this They they do Playstation okay. and Dreamcast
0: yeah, but you're just buying a five dollar PlayStation game, and now you're going after a rare Saturn. Okay, game. fair enough. That's or two hundred dollars, like like Dragon Saga or whatever. Three hundred. You see my point? Yeah. I mean, especially if that's all they're going to focus on, or the ones people care about. You know. We actually have an update on the Super Nintendo CD PlayStation, kind of. So this was uh, revealed on the website I saw it on RetroCollect about somehow. Someone over, someone over in uh, in Hong
1: Kong leaked the BIOS somehow of, of of the SNES CD system. I can't imagine it would be hard to trace that down, since supposedly only a few people touched the damn thing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> while while they're preparing for this Kickstarter book, yeah. you know they x-rayed it and examined it. But supposedly, I mean, this is cool, but then goes to show you that there really isn't much to this. There's already a, the first official <clears throat> homebrew for the SNES CD because I guess they've already got to the point where they're adding it to uh, a Super Nintendo emulator, the CD function, which honestly is just adding just like, it's like probably, you know, check some stuff and adding the RAM bits in, you know, so it's a homebrew of Magic Floor, which has been released on, like, ten different, uh, systems this homebrew, it's, it's a simple, it's like a simple puzzle game, so it's been released for uh, Super Nintendo, uh, NES, PlayChoice, 10, GBA, DS, all this...
1: Yeah, I was the- just going to say, I don't think this is actually for the CD. This is just for the cartridge portion of it, which means that... Oh, yes, yeah, what I mean. Okay, yeah, I mean... But it's
0: taking the whole entire <clears throat> BIOS.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they're putting in they're putting into the
0: emulators... Uh, I forget which Super 10 emulator off the top of my head. They're putting in... No cache. They're going to put in a CD function, basically, yes. to read it. Just, okay, just access the CD around your computer and edit that way. Mm-hmm. To get, to get around the fact that the CD function didn't work on that. But if you have the BIOS... You're fine. You just need a functional CD player. Right. If you have the code, you're good to go. That's what I meant when I okay. did add that sure, functionality sure. into it. But um so yeah, so it's for the um of actually actually they, they poured this game over into the Satellaview BSX version. So they just did like minor modifications for, to be able to read the same exact game, you know. So this is the first Sony Super Disc SFX one hundred CD ROM version, PlayStation prototype. And on according to their site which it's uh, you can search for it because it's a really weird URL. Uh, also, mostly the same as the normal SNES version. Special features consist of the Super Disc volume descriptor, a custom boot sector for loading the actual game, some useless SRAM graffiti, and a reset option for loading a different disc. Otherwise, it's the same game. There's nothing right. special about it. Uh, and then, thus, it's the first ever game being released for the Super Disc console, and they added in like a now loading screen with the Super Disc menu. So there you go. It's emulated. Not much to it, other than they probably got to dig deep and figure out, you know, what what are the actual CD functions that they could add. Probably just different audio tracks that they could access, whatever else. But there you go. It's not really a huge story, but you have the first official game (laughs) kind of homebrew for the uh, Sony Super Disc uh, or the Super Nintendo PlayStation prototype. Anything else to add on this? No. Do you think those guys are pissed at the BIOS is leaked? Like I, ran in their Kickstarter parade or no they don't give a shit
1: I, I mean I don't know whatever
0: that's, that's all the miles we're gonna get out of this really
1: mm-hmm. I, I can't get excited <laughs>
0: okay uh, so this is just funny I mean, this won't last that long but it seems like we're now in the age where not just if you go through a marriage and you know if you if you separate or get divorced you might lose your custody of your children for a time or your pet or your car, or your game collection, your house, but how about your social media and Twitch uh, channels? That'll be interesting. So, so um, there's a t- Twitch uh, streamer, Ari underscore gaming, that <clears throat> went through a divorce, and I guess they worked out an agreement that she relinquished her Twitch channel to her hubby, who I guess then has now sold it to someone else to to run it since I guess you have all the subscribers and you want to keep it going. Sounds like a really skeezy thing that happens. Yeah. There.
1: Um so I mean just I mean this is obviously going to be a lot of uh he said he said she said he said she said bullshit but it's a big a big marriage. <laughs> yeah, uh, basically um so the the rumor is that the wife was in the wrong and as a as a consolation or as a means to extend an olive branch. She had said that she would hand the Twitch channel over to her husband as part of the divorce proceedings. Um, and then someone else was then taking over the channel, uh, like you said to basically uh you know take advantage of the subscriber base although i can't honestly imagine this working out well no. for anyone in the no. long run because you have to keep the same name and as soon as they realize it's a different person what's going to keep them there
0: that happened with a youtube channel called uh, Epic. i think it was like epic fail they bought it and then they just the subscribers just left in droves when someone else was running yeah the of course doesn't work
1: so um but what's particularly weird about this Uh, is that, uh, well there's a couple things one, apparently there's some sort of non-compete clause where she can't stream for for five five years years. Uh, but I, I can't see any of this holding up because it straight up says in Twitch's terms of service that your account is non- transferable so the very base first action that was taken here is against the terms of service so my understanding is that would nullify everything that came after
0: Sure. Even if there was a contract, according to this, she might have given up for for some sort of monetary settlement. Like, you know, take over my channel. Here's, I'll pay you some money for it in return for it. But five years non compete. Would that even stand up? I can't imagine. with Twitch? It would with Twitch? Because Twitch would have to go for that, I think too. What? What's? You can go after someone for in a civil case if they broke that non compete. This is just bizarre. I just think it's weird because now we're at that point. If you're with someone that if you have a YouTube channel, You're get worry about that being in a divorce because that's a source of income. Yeah Twitch is a source of income uh, Your Like a website You gotta worry about that Sign your non You know Your uh, Your uh, What is it Go to your family lawyer And get your prenuptial agreement y- Yeah Because now, now this
1: is like Livelihoods at stake Or take some fucking time And make a good choice I gotta prenup with Ian Yeah We do <laughs> It's fucking fifty pages.
0: (laughs) But Danny Sullivan's we get we get dual custody of Danny. Dual dual custody every other weekend, and then uh, you know Wednesdays and Thursdays I get him.
1: As long as I can take him to a couple baseball games, (laughs) (laughs) take (laughs) him to the zoo, take him (laughs) to the zoo, get Get him some ice cream. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's all I want to do. Walk on
0: the pier. Yep, definitely.
1: (laughs) I don't think we have any more to add to that.
0: Time for a retro gaming topic. Boys, is my smile ear to ear.
1: Yeah, this is pretty good. Is this good. something
0: I've not been talking about for years? Oh, about we've both the, been talking the about The possibility this. of this coming to light?
1: And it, it fucking happened.
0: And it happened. It's been confirmed. The, my favorite website, Nintendo Age, you on the tar- forums. Tar-
1: oh, not Atari uh, Age. Nintendo Age.
0: Nintendo Age, my favorite website. Totally different. Totally different. So there's a collector. His name's Tim Atwood. Those in the know, I hadn't heard him before, so I'm not in the know. I'm not one of those elite collectors. I'm, I'm a tier below. You are. Uh, definitely. Um, his name's Tim Atwood. He doesn't really post often on Nintendo Age. In fact, his first post was in this was in this thread. But he's a big-time collector. He's been collecting since the 90s. He's what I call the first generation of game collectors, video game collectors, especially Nintendo collectors. I, I'm, me and you are like second generation, like late 90s. First generation was like early to mid-90s. When they were getting shit from stores that were still, like, uh, rental stores that were still there or closing, or even uh, local distributors or toy stores that still had new old stock there, and clearing them out and getting a lot of uh, new sealed games, getting uh, complete in-box games from rental stores. I meet collectors like this. Like, the old guy I talk about at the Swapman that comes sometimes, guy in his probably early 60s that has... Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of box complete games, so much so that when he sells the swap me a few times a year, he has a couple hundred, and those are his doubles. Right. So he has probably a few thousand box games, no exaggeration. And yeah, he has a state of events. He told, told me it's in a bank vault. So this collector, Tim Atwood, doesn't have just not one state events, not two, not three, not four, not five. He has a shipping box of six sealed. NTSC North American Stadium events Sealed And it was always kind of rumored Oh, we know a guy that might have You know, he's a big collector He keeps to himself, he's quiet He doesn't really like to brag about his his collection He might have this He posted a, a picture of the box With the proper serial number it wasn't the best resolution, but he's an older guy, he doesn't have up-to-date technology as much. It's it's pretty much confirmed. Due to his pedigree, his reputation, the fact that people have in person have seen this guy's collection, he collects his he collects his? he collects boxes, shipping boxes of games. He supposedly has Hundreds of these shipping boxes of games. All
1: right, something like four, four to six of just tournament T M N T tournament fighters alone.
0: Supposedly he has at least four shipping boxes, and there's usually six in a shipping box. So that means he has twenty four sealed NES tournament fighters. That's a rare game to begin with. So now you have twenty four sealed ones of that. Supposedly he has a shipping box of Flintstones dinosaur peak, and of Little Samson, and who, who the hell knows what else? Right, if he has that. He has, oh, uh, Soccer uh, soccer Black Box, six-sealed. Those are not easy to find, the sticker-sealed ones like that. So, this isn't just an I told you so. That would be easy to say. I told you so. There's always people out there that have games you have no idea because they're not bragging about it. They're not posting about it on forums like Nintendo Age. They're not doing YouTube videos. There are collectors that are older or even ones that are our age that are just want to keep quiet and just do it for their own enjoyment and not to brag about it. Not to show their EP size and things like that. And here's a guy that um, revealed it reluctantly because other people wanted him to reveal it. Just to show you that, hey, just because you have that seal stained events, you paid 10 grand for it, doesn't mean it's going to be a collectible worth 100000 in the future. Because there's not just two of them now that we know to exist, seal stained events. There's now eight. Which and is and huge. The, that's absolutely humongous. That's bigger than the seven Thai Cobbs that were found. Because that was there was fifteen that existed, adding now you are adding fifty percent off. This is increasing it by three hundred percent the amount.
1: Right. Um, so the people who
0: are well, actually, holding four hundred percent total,
1: the people who are holding on to this is their big investment. Who are, you know once to corner the market, even on the complete, even the complete
0: in box ones. Because there are, yes. it, this is a person that tried to corner the market on the complete in box stand events. This destroys the value.
1: Now you've got a guy who's basically holding a button to a bomb and saying, "I can destroy the value of your game." if you continue to piss me off. Yes. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of a fantastic thing. Um, I, I don't necessarily want to, it, it, it's, I don't want to sound mean here, but I'm sorry, we've talked about this before, video games should not be an investment. If you're going to treat them as an investment, like stocks, and you're going to be a fucking cock about it, uh... You deserve to have this sort of thing brought up to you, because this is going to scare these people, whether or not they admit to it scaring them. Uh, suddenly, their precious little thing that they're going to lord above everyone else isn't so unique anymore.
0: No, it's not. And you can even say, well, he's not selling them right now, so it doesn't affect the value. Oh, no, 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 It's psychological.
1: Yes. It's every
0: potential buyer going forward has to now realize that if he sees a statement sealed come up, he, does, he now knows that there's not just a couple of them, and that's his only opportunity. There's six more waiting. At least six more. Six more that we know about. Not that he has a shipping box, but if he has a shipping box, there could be someone else? else that has one. Or at least a few laying around. We've always said that. In a warehouse somewhere, or private collections, and here's the proof of it right here. And this isn't just first-name events. Uh, 24 sealed Torment Fighters destroys that market. Yep. Six damages that, but 24 obliterates that market. Because that's not a game that, to begin with, was going to come close to the same events. Say a sealed tournament fighter is worth, I don't know, top of my head, $400, $500. You add 24 more to the potential uh, buying market that's going to get into that, that market's gone.
1: And, and, and just so people realize why this has such a huge impact, there is not a huge base of sealed collectors to be getting. No, with. there isn't. So So when you talk about 24, that's... You have to realize that that's a huge number for something that has such a small base. You know, people who are going for a complete sealed set or something like that. You know, this 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 destroys it.
0: But we talk about adding six to a game that a sealed one can go, I don't know what it'll go for, 20 grand, try to get 30 for it. You add six to that? It's no longer then you have to buy mine because mine's the only one. Now it's, well, maybe I can make a deal with this guy. Or maybe 20 years from now, maybe he d- gets out of it uh, God forbid he passed away. Those games
1: go on the market now. Long They're going to ter- get out there long- eventually. Collectors who want to play long term now are just going to sit pretty and wait. And this isn't the first time this has happened to a very rare game. There's no. two big examples: Caltron Six and One. Caltron was Six
0: and One happened about four or five years ago, where that was a game that went sealed, went sealed a thousand dollars. Yep. Easily, they found a truckload of them. Then they went for 180 bucks. Yep. You can probably get one now for 200, 250. You know, they come up regularly. That was the story. The other big one was a Warriors for the twenty six hundred. Used to be a oh, rare. Yeah. Used to be a rare game. You didn't see it at all. Didn't was it see it. Twenty six hundred or seventy eight hundred? That was twenty six hundred. Oh, okay, maybe it was twenty six hundred. And then all of a sudden they found a fucking pallets of them, and now they're worth like ten dollars sealed, something like that. They're worthless now. You know, just two examples right there, where, where you think you have something that's gold. But well, this isn't a Ty Cobb card that's 110 years old. These are games that are only 30 years old that could still exist in a warehouse or some toy store out in Idaho somewhere in the back room or personal collections well, that and, are out there.
1: And, and like you said, okay, so we consider this guy a Generation 1 Nintendo collector, right? He's a G1. Not or ev- G2. Not everyone uh, throws their collection online to brag or boast. No. Some people do it for their own personal pleasure. So if it took this long, for this private collector, who I mean, he even who says, reluctantly revealed. Yeah, this. he even says in his first line, "I decided to visit this page to see what others are saying." So here I am. This will be my only comment. He obviously wants to remain private. You know, a lot of these people who started maybe don't didn't uh, attach to internet uh, culture. So quickly. I did. Um, you, know, uh, you know, I mean, there's what we're saying is, who knows where he got it from what he paid for? Does this guy or does the person he got it from have more? Are there other private collectors? I'm not saying recluses, but collectors who just don't feel the need to mingle with other collectors to validate their hobby uh, holding on to things like this. And not even just a shipping crate. Just one or two or three more in addition to this will continue to cause that price to plummet.
0: But this is why he revealed this. He's a a collector after my own heart. And this is shit I have said on Nintendo age forums in the past that got people pissed at me. Mm -hmm. Which is why I don't feel Uh, that I this is retribution for me to bring this stuff up but this is just another piece of evidence for why this guy is a good collector this is a guy that I want in the hobby and he's did this to get people maybe eyeballs on people that are harmful to the hobby sure what the reason he did this this is his quotes from his one post it had been brought to to Adam's attention several times about his misleading statements in his auctions it was always brushed off now Adam his name is Rare Bucky he's a notorious big time sealed collector and seller on eBay who I believe tries to corner markets on games and gets multiple copies, then j- jacks the price up tremendously. And I guess Tim had seen this over years and had enough of this shit. Enough of seeing it. Um, so he said, I saw Tom uh, listed the Zero, uh, which I would sold him several years earlier. I'm not sure who uh, Tom is. must be someone else. I sent him a message. During a conversation he let me know Adam and a couple others were interested in it. I made Tom an offer he couldn't refuse. Then I was watching some black box options and saw Adam win soccer, But that wasn't enough. He had to win the other black box games, too, even though he had them already. So he's seeing a pattern, which I've seen in the past, of one singular buyer not being satisfied with just one sealed or one uh, hard to find complete box game, but now has to get multiple ones. Right. Coring the market and driving up the price. Uh, That was when I decided to sell some of my extras in response to seeing behavior like this. I listed zero specifically, which I believe is the Kamikaze Squirrel Nintendo title. It's hard to Mm -hmm. find because I knew it would get Adam's attention. Hence the soccer picture and the quote and the quote from his auctions. I'm not familiar with with the the auctions as much, but I'm guessing the worry is probably like, "Oh, these are very limited, and I own them all, or something to that effect." Or Mm -hmm. you're not going to find these again; they're not out there when obviously they are. So Adam got in touch with with uh, Tim or tried was telling him that he was fucking with the wrong person because I guess he was the, the fact that he did this. This seller didn't want people know that there's a lot more supply out there than right. what he was letting on. Obviously, you're killing the business.
1: Stop from. fucking with me, or he'll I'll return the favor, and I rule eBay. Something to that yeah. effect. Holy fuck, I, dude.
0: I have watched for years as Bucky uh, and others have had auctions ended early, blocked buyers, outbid other collectors just to pr- protect a title, flat out screwed other collectors that helped them on previously agreed-upon deals. They can pretend like it didn't and doesn't happen. But it does, and I've seen it. I'm a collector and have helped many people. I'm not an obstructionist. I love you, Tim Atwood. We need more of you out there, and especially on sites like Nintendo Age. Well, this is stuff I've talked about in the past. This shit goes on, and people turn a blind eye, blind eye to this bullshit behavior. It's fucking gross. And I'm glad this guy is doing it. And protecting my investment. No, you're just I'm, being a
1: fucking cock.
0: I'm glad a collector like this has his button on the fucking nuclear device switch. Right. Ready to go. You fuck with the hobby. You lie about how many games are out there. You're, quote-unquote, cornering markets, act like asshole divas, throwing around your collections. Well, any fucking time you want to, I will ruin you. Yeah with what I have in my personal collection. God damn it! I want to buy him a sandwich, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like buying a person a sandwich. Oh my
0: god, this is make me happy. Alright, so... He continued. That was when I decided to take a several-hour trip to get pictures of the SE case. I was only going to send it to Adam and remind him that all rulers can be dethroned. (laughs) What the fuck are you, the ruler on eBay selling SEAL games? Go fuck yourself! Um, And then that's when the pictures uh, came out. And then people uh, on the forum were... we're saying no, it's not real. But then people say no. We know this guy for you know he's been collecting for like twenty five years. Whatever, he's for, he's legit. He's for real. Right. He's got this stuff. He just he just keeps to himself, and he's got a hell of a lot more. Uh, so uh, he said, "Okay, Adam, go ahead and get me banned from Nintendo Age now. You if you have that power."
1: <laughs> uh, then, he, then this is a. Be- this let is my favorite. My, oh my last God. comment is a screenshot with the picture properties of the stadium events picture. All three pictures are of the same case. I put a hanky on the last one. Take that however you like.
2: <gasps> <Woo!
1: laughs> I love you, Tim.
2: That I'll, is
1: great shit right there.
0: I'll never meet you, Tim. Thank you so much.
1: That is some hot smut. God, that really almost gets me hard. I'm not <laughs> going to lie. That's fantastic. Thank
0: you for letting me know that there are collectors out there <laughs> that want to call bullshit when people in the quote-unquote community take advantage, or are liars, or are deceptive, or backdoor deals and, and and get away with it because people uh, turn a blind eye or corner markets on games or put up deceptive listing uh, on, on eBay deceptive, deceptive descriptions and, and headers thank you so much for being a guy out there that cares about the hobby and you think that I'd be a guy that said well he owns so many multiple rare copies of a game no 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 this is a guy that I want to own rare, uh, multiple rare copies of the game because he's on my side. I'm on his side. Something it's slightly it different, to
1: it. too, if he got this early on and was yes. holding on to it, it's not the same as cornering a market. And this is a guy who is also maybe not always paying attention to it but has has noticed a pattern and is now holding this over the head like, I could if I wanted to, and that would ruin it. He is a
0: righteous emperor. Yes. That at any time can <laughs> bring swift justice to my, the, the hobby that I love that I try to defend, and I get shit for when I try to speak out against the bullshit that I've seen in the hobby. So thank you, Mister Atwood. Kudos. I will say this though: if you do sell these, and I, I hope you do while I'm still alive, because uh, I want to see people actually—I want to feel their tears. I want to lick them myself, my mm-hmm. like cartman off their faces when their investments plummet in value. Please be like a pre-approved buyer list and have them write a contract that they can't turn around and flip it. Something like or I'll sell you the game for this this price, or it'll bid up to this amount. Just do whatever you can to get the games into proper collector's hands that won't try to get multiple copies of them to quote-unquote protect the value. Get into people that actually wanted to complete a collection. Get them, find them good homes. Good homes. While still destroying the value. Yes. Do both, and my nipples will get even harder than they are
1: now. <laughs> Alright. Let's move on. This is getting too sexual. Let's talk about a horrible article, but also some <laughs> of the implications within it. God, this is bad writing.
0: <laughs> and, and, and Vice just helped us out in, in, in a past article. Uh, I'm not attacking in.
1: Vice. Vice is generally pretty good. This article in particular is just pretty garbage. Okay.
0: So it's called uh, Video Games Are Better Than Ever. So Why Are We Trying to Revisit the Past? By Ian Transfield. So in this article... Ians are such dicks. <laughs> a few, yes. Um, he talks about current, like, goggles like the Vega Plus, which is a ZX Spectrum ha- analyzer Things so I think it's a pretty cool idea. I'm talking about how it's more than tripled, it's an it's, uh, Indiegogo, Indiegogo uh, Gogo, uh, target of 140,000. People really want this thing in their lives. He's a little snarky in his article. Oh, the,
1: the, I mean, it's, his phone <clears> is unbearable.
0: But the Vega Plus is just, in quotes, but the Vega Plus is just another gadget, a toy, a time-filling distraction in the long line of stuff that comes out solely at nostalgia glands, aimed solely at nostalgia glands. That's kind of sort of a weird t- turn of phrase. Um and it's this it's the piece that broke it that's broken this particular camel's opinion spine. I mean the Vega Plus annoys me. And then he goes on to say that games today, which we always hear, games here are quote unquote better than games used to be. So he's basically complaining about stuff like the ZX uh, Spectrum. Surprised he didn't bring up the Clico Chameleon. He brings up the, the two hundred and one. Excuse me. He brings up the one hundred and one cartridges that you can pick up at overseas holidays, in the dodgy electronic shops, just in the market square in the Spanish town. You okay? I never went to a Spanish town on vacation. Maybe if he's from England, he did that. Uh, that's sort of a weird, sort of a rich paradise vacation that I ever went on. That you remember buying those NES games in those Spanish <laughs> shanty towns, you know, while you had shrimp cocktail for dinner. Uh, anyway, so this is the 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 typical. Why are you interested in retro games and what we have today is so much better? You're blinded by nostalgia. Get on with your lives, article that you see written multiple times a year. Yes.
1: I mean, so there is something to be said about nostalgia poisoning uh, certain things. Uh, I mean, I do we do see customers for instance at the store who for you know will come in i mean i call them like day trippers or you know uh you know tourists and that it's not meant to be uh derogatory but you know they, they 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 go you know what would be really fun playing a super nintendo they buy a super nintendo for me a couple of games i never see him again it was nostalgia for them but Just because this fellow doesn't see the appeal in retro games doesn't mean that there is no appeal in retro games. Um, I mean, he goes so far as to say that I challenge you to have friends come over and sit down and play retro games for a night and see how... I I do that all the time, and you know what? We have fun, and it's not like we're being ironic and pretending, okay? There's something fun about being able to sit in a room and play these quick games. Shooters, platformers, alternate players, pass controllers around. Um, Modern games, yeah... They can be a bit more engrossing. They may have more stuff going on, but you know what? They also require a shitload more time and investment from the player. Some of us don't want that. Some of us want to take a spaceship, pilot up a screen, and shoot as much shit as possible, and that's fun to us. Uh, you know, is Zelda One really in the be- the best in the series? No, and I don't think anyone says that. I that- I, well, whatever. Um, I, 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 I and if people do, that's fine. But you're building an argument based on something well, that that is not actually said. Well, the problem with
0: this article is that he's conflating retro video games with new products based upon retro games. Sure. So he he has a problem with the 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 ZX Spectrum handheld that we've talked about in the past. So I think it looks cool. He brings up the Neo Geo X, which was a handheld which basically had them loaded on into the memory. You know, it was just the name slapped on with the ROMs. Um, so that's really his problem, is that. which th- That's fine. You can right. say that's your problem. So his, his quote is, in 2012, SNK Playmore, in quote, in parentheses, got on the nostalgia train with the Neo Geo X. The aim, to rinse a substantial chunk of cash from global gamers who really couldn't do without Fatal Fury. The reality, the handheld console was cheap and nasty, and many who parted with their money for it soon remembered how little... Fun, a whole bunch of Neo Geo games actually were. Super sidekicks aside, obviously snarkiness aside, there's a lot of good fucking Neo Geo games out there. Yeah,
1: and I don't think anyone who actually plays retro games would uh, contest that. You can... And, and, and you're right, that's the problem. You can knock the portable. By all, account, by all accounts, and I've held one, it was not particularly great. Out the gate, I don't think it allowed for 4.3, which is ridiculous, but an update allowed for that. I, yeah, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you know, the games are on cartridges, but it was relatively flimsy. People... And, and SNK themselves... And this is the thing: SNK wasn't really out to rinse anyone of money. Tomo was the company that made this, and SNK allowed their name to be put on it, just like Sega has allowed Majesco to produce uh, things with their name on it that they don't manufacture. It's a licensing so, deal. So, so, is this, so how,
0: is this author then attacking the the company, or maybe he should be a company the the, the the attacking the companies for putting out these subpar products, or is he attacking the potential consumer for being gullible goal enough, enough to buy them? That's Possible. totally that's totally different. different. You can say that's fine. That's different from saying games back then are trash compared to today. That's totally different. Yeah. Argument.
1: The Neo Geo X didn't fail because the games were bad. The Neo Geo X failed because the Neo Geo X system was not great. And SNK literally went and went to Tomo with was like, "Stop! You're done making these right now. We're not happy with them. You're done." But it wasn't the games. Everyone talked about how the game packs they put out were fantastic. They were cream of the crop. There's a reason why people still dump tons of fucking quarters in the MVSs. And, and he
0: he spells out in, the, in his own article that he sounds like a hypocrite for us. He says, uh, you can see here I wrote about great SNES games that you can play right now. And yes, I appreciate that some of you might be branding me a hypocrite, but here's what I'm trying to say. Just because it's an old game, perhaps on a classic system by a legendary developer, doesn't make it a good one. No one's ever said that. Yeah, no shit. That's like, when I wrote talk with Frank, he gets he always talks to me about Old versus new movies And I think the general sort of um, Tone when people Get into a conversation like that is that older movies are better uh, In general They're not You just remember the old movies that were good Because all the shit ones that come out Are never played anymore People don't watch them They don't make DVDs them They don't show them on TCM Or on, you know what I mean that's why when you think of the classic movie era, you think of Gone with the Wind you don't think of the shitty noir movies that came out in the 50's that were fucking garbage
1: yeah, think about it this way, if uh, older movies were really that much better uh, then they put out like no movies in the past then they made about 75 movies between
0: 1935 (laughs) and 1970 then, cause that's the only ones you ever hear about, no, they made a ton of movies but a lot of them were shit, just how the same ones today, a lot of them are shit it's the same ratio I would argue the same ratio It's just that It's the ones that you remember 50 years later Are the good ones You're not going to remember The standard first person shooter That comes out today You're not going to be talking about That game 30 years from now Like The World Legend of Zelda Right It's the same ratio The same way you don't talk about uh, Fucking hide that much Anymore You know Pick out a game You don't talk about
1: Coded on the NES Because it was garbage it's the same thing. Ambitious garbage, but garbage all the same.
0: A two star review according to a, a certain book that's coming out. <laughs> two stars, Ian. Um,
1: so, I mean, yes, uh, no one has actually. I feel like there's a, a lot of straw man arguments here. Uh, uh, no yes. one has ever said that, uh, you know, a game is better simply because it's older. Um, I, frankly, I mean, it's just. It, I mean, Mega Man 1 is not very good. Uh, Mega Man two and three are other Mega well, Man's it's, are good.
0: It's good. It's just not. As yeah, good as it's
1: it it's not, Yeah, but it doesn't hold up as well. Um, but the the thing is, is that doesn't mean that all retro games are bad. We're not. Most retro game players are not living in a fantasy life where they think that old games are better simply because they're old. We like old games better because they are distinctly different and play different than newer games. It's a totally different style.
0: We can his quotes we can download our emulators and our collection of ROMs and then when we excitedly tell our friends we correct them when they say that's amazing and and demand to have a night where you sit there playing all the classics because they're thinking of shit games and they're thinking their childhood memories equate to actual quality they don't wow that's a bold and very arrogant thing to to say that your childhood memories are null and void and you're you're living with roads I knew what games were shit when I was a kid when I was playing them yeah why do you think some of these games didn't sell well?
1: There are very few games that I liked as a kid that I don't like now, with the exceptions of, of some that we talked about last podcast, like, for instance, StarTropics, I just can't go back to. But, I mean, those are few and far between. A lot of the games that I loved as a kid, Bugs Bunny's Crazy Castle, Mappy Land, Rockin' Cats, Clu Clu Land, are still some of my favorite on the system. And, I yes, I still play them. I knew kids that
0: owned Ghostbusters on the NES. Not one of them said to me, this is an excellent game. Not one of them said that to me. Nope. Instead of that, you were playing Legend of Zelda, or DuckTales, or Baseball Stars, or something that was actual fun. It's not because we were fucking kids. We were dumb. We knew what good movies were, good TV shows, and good video games. That doesn't change.
1: Especially because we got them so infrequently when we were harsh critics.
0: I got three new games a year. Uh, Birthday, one or two for Christmas, and maybe I save my allowance the whole year to buy three Stooges. And when I bought Three Stooges, I didn't think it was an excellent game as a kid. I was forced myself to think it was pretty good. I think it's all right, yeah. even today.
1: Yeah, sure, we played what we had, but we were also critical of it, too. So
0: this was a terrible article. Terrible article. Clickbaiky. Click Clickbaity, and it worked because we're talking about it, obviously. So, Ian. Jeez, Ian, what the hell's wrong with you?
1: I don't know, man. I'm awful.
0: Thanks for, thanks for cutting my joke off before I, I was ready to get there. <laughs> <laughs> this is okay. Not entirely surprising they're making a new Indiana Jones movie just because, hell, if I pay three billion bucks for Lucasfilms, uh, I'm going to make whatever the hell I want to make my money back. Sure. So what we always knew they are going to make a new Indiana Jones movie, Disney was. I didn't think they are going to bring Harrison Ford back. No,
1: not at all. 13
0: years after he was, or excuse me, 11 years after he was already too old. Uh, in 2008, um, when he did the last, it wasn't a disaster, it was just was not good. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So, they're going to start filming probably, I'd say later, 2017 or 2018. There's, there's no script yet, but they have confirmed a release date. Uh, July 19th, which July is always a good month for Indiana Jones, that's when most of them came out, I think, around there. Uh, 2019, for the fifth epic block adventure in the series, Spielberg's going to be back. Uh, Then Harrison Ford reprising his iconic role, and it doesn't sound like it's just going to be a cameo with him, you know, maybe going back to how he was. I think he did one episode as an elderly one back in the Young Indiana Jones Adventures, thinking you know, going back to his his past. I think he's going to star in it wholesale. You know what? Okay, Harrison Ford's in great shape for his age. Yep. He's like, for his age, he's in really, 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 really good shape. He was in great shape in 2008. But he's going to be like, what, 77 when this movie comes out? How old is he now? He was like 62 in 2008, so it's going to be like 75 when this comes out, at some point you got to say enough so enough, what is this going to p- take place in the 70s, we're going to be that much more uh, ahead in the timeline, I mean, I- I'm just surprised they're doing it, if it ends the series with him, that's fine, because Crystal Skull was mostly CG garbage, Spielberg hated the script, It's it's public, Lucas forced him to do the script. He didn't want to do it, but if and even Harrison Ford was like, alright, I'm getting old, let's do this movie. Lucas is out of his mind. He wants to do this freaking alien script which goes against everything from the previous sort of tone yeah. set in the other three in- 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 but I'm okay as long as it's a great script, but I always thought they would go go the James Bond route and just recast it and do adventures with someone else.
1: I did too. Um, he had a great turn as Han Solo in the new um, Star Wars movie I thought he was fantastic Fantastic. the best he's been in probably all the Star Wars movies besides Empire yeah in fact to me I still say this to this day it the main thing that helped me differentiate it from A New Hope which it had a lot of similarities to was it felt like a Han Solo movie almost more than anything else yes we were introducing good characters but Han Solo was central to so much of it and Harrison Ford looked great in that movie old yes but he played his role great. If they cash in on where he's at right now and do one more movie, I don't think it's as dire as everyone's making it out to be with the walkers and shit like that. No. I, I think he might have one more good movie in him as Indiana Jones where he kind of plays the aging Han Solo role. But it's got that's got to be it. But he was aging in 2008. Yes, I know. And this but, is 11 years after that. I realize that. But I, I just Like I said get I the, Get that eugenics going Get whatever Stallone's taken That's all I'm saying That's gotta be it That's gotta be it for it And I feel like I feel like yes Lucas if better not J-
0: Lucas better not be involved With the script That's all I'm saying
1: Yeah If they're going to continue The Indiana Jones series You are gonna have to see A James Bond style recasting
0: Which I wouldn't mind I mean how They did it with the young Indiana Jones There was like two or three guys That played it River Phoenix played him in the movie There was two other guys I think that Kids that played him In that So he has kind of been James Bond to a degree
1: yeah, I think someone yeah. was mentioning there was rumors that Pratt, Chris Pratt, would perhaps uh, take the role in. That was rumored. There's, there's like he could do it. There was actually that actor that
0: looks stunningly close to a young Harrison Ford that actually played a young Harrison Ford in a drama movie that came out a few years ago, and they're actually might cast him as a young Han Solo. I don't know if you saw him, but he looks like a young Harrison Ford. He's pretty damn close, and actually has the voice. Go on YouTube. He actually had a YouTube clip. I don't know his name off the top of my head, YouTube clip where he did a lot of Harrison Ford lines. Mm-hmm. And they saw that video and ended up casting him for, I think, for a, uh, as the young Harrison Ford in a drama that came out. Huh. So Harrison Ford knows about him. Not saying you pick him for your young Indiana Jones, but he looks just like him. So at least you could start from there. It would make sense. But I would I'd rather just recast totally like James Bond. And and have someone else make it their own character if you want to go that route, or just finish with a fifth and that's it. They do a fifth one; I'll make it'll make eight hundred million dollars, like Crystal Skull did or whatever, and mm-hmm. then be fine with that. Then they can actually finish on a high note. Hopefully, no. But then they had Shia LaBeouf, who's now been a weirdo the past years and is not really acting that much anymore, mainstream stuff. And then you had um, he got married at the end of the fourth one. They they really shoehorned in that, uh, that character. Uh, uh, from the from the Raiders Lost Arc, it was just I want to see Short Round back. I want to see Short Round would be fantastic to see back. Sure, they, there was references. Uh, I think originally there was gonna be a reference to a script where he was originally gonna be in Cri- uh, Crystal Skull as the sidekick. That would have been awesome to see Short Round back. Sure, because that that was actually a, I love Temple of no, so Doom. That's I. my I, favorite.
1: That's probably mine, which too. I know sacrilege the yes, most. I know. But that
0: relationship, that sort of father son relationship between uh, Indy and Short Round, was absolutely fantastic. I, the, I
1: I love Temple of doom,
0: um, and not to have short round back ever again after that, just to find out what's well, and the guy's probably like a forty by now, the actor or whatever, sure, or a little bit older than that, but get him back in there. It would be or, fun I, I think it'd be great, yeah maybe maybe they 'll do that you know they had uh they didn't really reference much, that much else, but well, well, Spielberg's actually married to the, the actress from temple of doom <laughs> after after seeing how good she looked in that movie he was like yeah i wanna to I wanna cast her or as my wife, <laughs> so you know I will see this. I'm not totally down on it. I'm just shocked that they're doing it if he's going to be totally starring at it 100% versus flashing back,
1: you know. Right. So so we're a little behind on this, but, I mean, unfortunately there was no other way to do it. it the trailer came out after. Um, so the Civil War trailer, uh, the, third, the third and final Civil War trailer came out. Second. Second. Sorry. Second and final. Second and final tra- Civil War tra- trailer came out, and uh, it was... It's one of the first trailers in. It's the first trailer in many, many years that immediately energized me to want to go see a movie as soon as it comes out. Um, couple reasons. Well, the main reason is this it was cut impeccably. Um, it showed you a lot of stuff in a way that you could not really piece the movie together, unlike so many trailers. I mean, it's not really a secret. It's a secret. It's a little-known not... It's a, it's a not-so-little-known secret that I, I I hate covering trailers on this show. Because I, I hate watching trailers. Because they give away too much of movies that I want to see. But this one doesn't and never did. And a lot of Marvel movie trailers are pretty good about not doing that. Um... And this one was fantastic. The action looks tight. The story looks like it's going to be good. The tension looks like it's going to be there. It's character not...
0: character arcs, yes. actual character arcs. It
1: doesn't look fucking ham fisted. Um, and it takes
0: place during the day. Battles
1: like you can actually see, not in front of CG backdrops. Real sex. <laughs> okay, let's let's let's, <laughs> let's tone that back. Right. Um, but it looked great, and then, obviously, of course, there was the quick little Spidey reveal at the uh, end, which uh, probably made Pat come. Um, but, I mean, I, I, don't, I honestly, I don't have anything else to say. What can I say about a trailer without diving into speculation that I don't want to dive into? It was just, it's the exact opposite of what many trailers are today. I'm not even singling out the BVS trailers that were not so thinly uh, alluding to here. Um, but... Most movie trailers, it's so easy to go A B C D movies done. They, not so with this.
0: They didn't give away that they gave away. Of course, there was a money shot of all the, the two teams of heroes running towards each other, which I believe that was the whole scene shot in IMAX, mm-hmm. the airport fight, and that's not going to be the end of the movie. That's probably right in the middle of the movie. I'm thinking this. I think the runtime is going to be two hours and twenty five minutes, which is going to make it the longest Marvel movie to date. Obviously, you need that time because
1: how long was Winter Soldier? I thought it was about about two twenty
0: okay. or two fifteen. But it flew by, because that's yeah. a fucking awesome movie. It did movie. not seem like you can watch that it any time. So, you're going to have a lot to deal with. Um, I like the trailer just because most of it's the build-up. Probably stuff you see in the first 25 minutes or half hour with uh, the explosion at whatever that UN building is. Chasing after Bucky. Seeing Black Panther. That's probably stuff that happens in the first like thirty five minutes. God, his
1: suit looks so good. Oh, is that a nice suit? Yeah. Marvel, I mean, he's always looked good, but, but... I like the fact that Marvel
0: suits that they're not updating look better. Yeah, like, they, like whenever they update, them, we're like, yeah, I prefer you actually. I want to see a purple Hawkeye outfit because you're doing so great with the ones that look like like from the comics. Yeah, and I'll get to Spidey's in a second uh, with that. But you don't see the main villain in the trailer at all. No, you forget who. The... I'm not going to say it. I want to spoil. It. There's actually a main villain. Yep. that you see in Avengers Two that you don't see here. You don't see him here. You see, uh, you see uh, Crossbones for like a split second in the trailer. You don't see probably any scene for what I'm going to think is the final fight. I don't think
1: you see that in the trailer, I'm going to guess.
0: I don't think that's there.
1: This is the speculation I didn't want to go into because I don't. I I just don't think. I think they
0: really cut this from the first two thirds of the movie and kept that last third out of it, which is great. It's fantastic. So I'm just going to talk about Black Panther looks incredible. Um, The action looks great. It's the Russo brothers who directed uh, uh, Winter Winter Soldier, Soldier, and we're going to direct uh, Infinity War Part 1 and Part 2. I, I Yeah. Yeah, run with it. There's very little to not be excited about. I, I mean I it's not uh, Nintendo's uh, Nintendo. <laughs> oh, Disney uh, Disney has been choosing their directors very well all throughout the, this run. Whether it's uh starting with John Favreau who, who kicked off the universe to a good start, um and then you got uh the director of Thor who who had a Shakespeare background. You know, um they're doing well. They're not just uh uh entrusting their entire universe with one person, for the most part, they are saying, okay, this is going to be the... Be- James Gunn's going to be good for Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, they're picking... They're, the they're... Russo brothers are going to be good for Civil War. They're actually picking thinking... Picking They're actually thinking about it and not picking directors that might be too big for their britches and trying to change too much, too. Yeah. Directing more towards the content versus maybe um, maybe putting their own pastiche on it to... to an extent that might mar the end product. I'm, just, I'm not trying to talk about something specifically, but okay, let's talk about Spider Man. The yeah. perfect amount. I, I, I knew they couldn't go the entire length of promotion without showing him. I was shocked they went this far two months before. Then again, they didn't have to. If Spider Man wasn't in this movie, it would have done a billion dollars, regardless. But just putting him in even more. Because think about it: if it wasn't geeks like me and you, imagine if you just like you're you're a movie fan. You like the Marvel universe, but what if you weren't following the news and saw him in the trailer for the first time? You would have went ape shit. Yeah, even more, like I can imagine that. I, I almost want that sucked out of my brain that that memory, knowing he was in the movie. So I go to the theater and see him there.
1: Yeah, I mean you that's know? one of those things where I understand why they had to do it. I wish they hadn't. A conversation that you and I had, and I, I had kind of had the same thought, but you, you verbalized it, was I think what would have almost been more effective, although obviously mainstream audiences wanted to see Spider-Man, what almost would have been more effective would have been Board seeing the web come down and grab Cap's shield and then cut.
0: Or maybe, yeah, that could have been something. Then you, That would have gotten people more excited. So, yeah, you see him web him up. Uh, was interesting, that quick snippet, is that Black Widow is actually on Captain America's side. For that little scene when she's on the opposite side. So, something might have happened. Um, so, Spider Man webs him up, says, Hey everyone, in the perfectly meekish high school voice that he should have because he's a 15 year old kid right. with incredible superpowers. He is, people, He's. A, this is why it's so brilliant to make him a teenager again. Because in that group of all those high power superheroes, he's more powerful than all of them yet he's a kid. And it's a ju- juxtaposition against all the more adult uh, characters that, that are a little less powerful, but know what they're doing, have more experience. It makes perfect sense to cast him as a teenager. And it also makes sense because there's probably going to be that push and pull that's going to be an entire subplot between Iron Man's side and Captain America. This isn't going to be, he's going to show up for 5-10 minutes. He's going to be in this movie for like 25 minutes or a half hour, I think.
1: Well, oh, I think he's going to be far more integral than even yeah. you and I had. Because back when we had discussed it we didn't know the time frame, we figured he might just show up for a little bit here or there just to basically establish him in that mm-hmm. universe. But, uh, I mean, the more we go for it, I'm fairly certain. And I think that's going to be the surprise. It remains to be seen. But I think that's going to be the surprise, and that's maybe why they showed him is I'm not sure we really know how integral he will be to the story.
0: I think it's interesting, though, that there was always that rumor that the Russo brothers wrote two scripts... Or there were two scripts written, one without Spider-Man and one with them. But I think they were always banking on that Spider-Man script. They always had that as their primary weapon. They kind of knew that it was going to come down.
1: A movie like Civil War needs him, Oops. not just because he was integral in the first uh, in the actual comic, but just because Civil War is such a big idea in Marvel, and and especially when Infinity War happens and the scope gets bigger. You need Spider-Man. We need Spider-Man in there. It's a shame you can't get the X Men in there, but with at least with Spider Man in there, it feels more organic and
0: whole. And plus, remember this movie—you're not going to have Thor and Hulk. They're all going to do Thor three, which I actually am really excited for, having Hulk and Thor kind of a team up movie. That's what it sounds like it's kind of going to be. That sounds really cool, uh, by the way. Um, So, real quick, the outfit is fucking outstanding. Because it's not quote-unquote updated. It's straight out of uh, a John Romita mid-60s, mid-to-late 60s Spider-Man comic book. And that's my favorite rendition of Spider-Man ever done. Frank argues about Ditko being a little bit better. I prefer the Romita a little bit over the Ditko original. There's some elements of Ditko in there, too. But it it's so great because um, he looks like almost out of place, but he's not. It, I always hated the argument that oh, you got to update his outfits. They look ridiculous. I saw that outfit, and I was giddy. Because that's how he looks. That's Spider-Man. He's just in spandex.
1: It's not armor. All of the outfits look fucking ridiculous. They're superheroes. It doesn't matter. Thank you. People like us might think they look cool, but objectively, all superhero outfits look fucking dumb. The whole point is that people love the the, the amazing Spider-Man 2 outfit
0: was really good. That was the best one probably out of all the ones up to this point. But When I saw that outfit, you could see the web shooters a little bit real quick. Mm -hmm. You could see the cartridges on his belt out of the comic. I am totally satisfied. People are complaining about the eyes move with the with the camera lenses, sounding alike. like I don't mind that at all. I don't mind that sort of sort of. I really of don't concession. mind adding
1: some expression to a character, and
0: maybe like you say there. Stark gave him the technology and he can focus on hose I don't mind Whatever. that. The fact that the outfit looks so amazing—that's going to be fantastic. That is out of all the Marvel movies, probably Winter Soldier. I was really excited for more than Avengers Two. Uh, and actually, I was more excited for Ant-Man than I think Avengers 2 last year. And Avengers 2 is like uh, is like the forgotten huge movie that came out last year. Like, well, what?
1: I feel like Avengers 1 was too. All of the Avengers movies are good, but honestly, they don't hold a candle to these smaller yes. side movies.
0: So I'm really excited about that. Uh, real quick, about Daredevil Season 2, Ian still hasn't seen any. I've only seen four episodes, so I'm not going to be spoiling that much. Um, I fucking love the fact that Marvel's doing these Netflix series, even though I was not in love with Jessica Jones. I love the fact they're doing Iron Fist or doing Luke Cage. So I like both those characters. Daredevil Season 1 was really good. Daredevil Season 2 is starting off with an absolute bang so far. Uh, what's his name? John Berthol, uh, who was on the first couple seasons of uh, Walking Dead, is uh, the, the Punisher. Um, He is fantastic as the Punisher. He is like. They they went. John Bernthal. They didn't go total comic book in the fact that, you know, he, he's like. Super huge. I always, I always hate the fact that Punisher was like super fucking ripped, like more than Captain America. It always kind of bothered me for some reason. I don't know why, but not that he's not in bad shape. John, Ber- I mean, he's more like lean and, you know, he's still toned, but he's not like a huge muscle bound muscle bound guy like the 2008 uh, War Zone movie, which I still haven't seen by the way. Um, but he's a, uh, uh, the Punisher is an ex military. He sounds like he's from uh, Iraq and Afghanistan. And they're not really revealing his total origin so far, but he acts like a soldier. A really intelligent soldier, a really uh, sort of uh, psychotic soldier with with a, a grim goal. But I like the fact that the portrayal of Punisher isn't totally straight out of the comic books, but for this universe, it makes sense. Sure. It makes total sense. And the first four episodes, spoilers, he doesn't have the skull yet. He's just a guy with lots of guns and a mission to accomplish so they're still sort of the same way. Daredevil start off season one, where yeah. you know, where they sort of building to that.
1: And that's what I've heard. I've heard that the series, uh, you know, that, like you said, starts off immediately with a bang. Oh yeah. I've heard it kind of tapers off. Um, I, I am really excited to see it. I, I need to start watching it this week. Like I said in our little preamble intro segment, I had a friend in from out of town this past weekend. I just didn't have the time to watch it. Otherwise, Vani and I probably would have binged through it on Sunday. Honestly, um, so I, I will be getting to it. Um, I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, Action
0: scenes are outstanding, of course. They even, are even almost. I'd say if they can be better in the first season. You know how in the first season that was a great one-shot, uh, yeah, one shot hallway fight. Yes, yes, yes. I think in the second or third episode, there's a one shot fight from a hallway down flights of stairs. Holy shit! It's even better. Nice. It's like it's like they've they've upped the ante by, while keeping the same sort of tone. And of course, you know the the guy playing Foggy is excellent.
1: Yeah, he's. Uh, I mean, you know, like I'm sure the returning characters are just as good as oh, they were. Oh
0: yeah, I think they updated the outfit a little bit. There were slight complaints with the outfit from the. They only had the outfit really for the what, last what, episode. What, so they've updated a little bit. I think they they tweaked it to make it better. But he has the Billy Club, you know, and he's ready to go. Um, he seems like he's more adept a little bit more at, at what he's doing. By this point, he should be Daredevil. But uh, yeah, no. that's
1: one of the things I'm interested in seeing in this series, actually. I am interested in seeing the Punisher, the new story, all the returning characters, old friends, blah, 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 blah. But it is going to be interesting to actually see a season of Daredevil where Daredevil it's is Daredevil. Daredevil.
0: Yeah, not just, like, getting into their three, four episodes. Right.
1: And-, and and honestly, that didn't hurt the first season. I thought the first season really shot for something high and hit it. Yeah. And, I mean, part of how they did that was this very slow burn Um from the slow burn into seeing uh, Kingpin for the first time, to you know Daredevil finally realizing himself after thirteen fucking episodes or however however many it was. Well,
0: he just got the outfit out. Yeah, it took him yeah. that long to get the outfit. But
1: uh, yeah, I mean it was it was great, and I do look forward to seeing this. So well.
0: yeah, and then you saw the uh, the hand hasn't even showed up yet by episode four. You know the ninjas. Yeah, and Elektra hasn't even showed up yet. So I feel, i have a feeling it's going to be like a. Uh, a Punisher arc that's going to end maybe halfway through. I have a feeling I then maybe start the next arc or... I don't know. We'll see what happens. The, the whole point is that um, uh, I'm really excited for this and I love Agent Carter. I think there's a rumor that Agent is going to go to Netflix because ABC might not pick it up for Season 3, which would be a, sh- a shame. Just, uh, But I still don't give a shit about Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is funny. But the rest is fine.
2: Oh, yeah!
0: That's macho, man. Hulk Hogan lawsuit with Gawker has come to an end, at least the first round. And boy, is Gawker in trouble. So as you know, Gawker put on their website, well, like five years ago, snippets of the sex tape that was filmed at, uh, what was it, Bubble the Love Sponge's house when he allowed Hulk Hogan to have sex with his with his wife. I guess it was an open marriage. And he filmed it and then sold it to Gawker. Gawker put it put it online. Hogan sued for invasion of privacy, which anyone would uh Gawker's an awful website. I don't want to get into history, but they're fucking terrible. Yeah, they're not Uh, good. They're not good people. And then, during the trial, during the trial, the transcript of the entire sex tape was was leaked when uh, Hogan said uh, racist comments about his daughter dating black guys. And so that added fuel to the fire and got him fired from WWE and disavowed and taken off the website in history. Um... So when that happened, I said Gawker's fucked after that because that's direct income taken away from that too. So he won initially for 110 million.
1: 115.
0: Oh, sorry, 115. And then the jury awarded him 25 more imputative damages on top of that. Yeah, 25 mil. Uh, well, for
2: 140
0: million total to this point.
1: I uh, woo. I do not feel any any sadness for Gawker. Um, people like to play Gawker's kind of, uh, especially like sites like Kotaku as being on one side of an issue or another but they're really not. All you have to do is look at the journalism objectively and realize that Gawker and basically everything under them, although I kind of like Deadspin and I'm not even really huge on sports, um these are basically trash blogs. Click play, clickbait blogs
0: with no journalistic value. You
1: look really. at something like Kotaku and it's all clickbait links and what is not a clickbait link has nothing to fucking do with video games. Um, Gawker is, I mean, it, it's it's basically TMZ level trash. Um, and look, here's, here's what I think some people have to come to grips with. Um, Shit Hulk Hogan said is fucked up, and I don't particularly find Hulk Hogan to be a likable person. I really kind of dislike the guy a whole fucking lot. But you have to separate that from the fact that what Gawker did was incredibly fucked up, and uh, is, I mean, there's, there's, there's no justifiable way to say that what they did was in any way Okay. And while I have not watched it, from what I hand, what from what I heard, Gawker, the, the people uh, who who were there, um, they handled themselves in a very bratty, very childish manner,
0: very de- overly defensive,
1: overly defensive, said a lot of stupid things. Something along the lines of they were, I think, and someone can correct me because this was passed to me secondhand, but some by by someone who was following it very closely said that when when asked what they would consider a uh, what they would consider um. In bad uh, th- taste, or what they would consider a bad in, in bad taste, they said something like a sex tape with a four year old, and it's like, uh, dude, do you want an extra fucking shovel? Like, I mean, I can I can hop in there and help you, you know, fucking dig yourself, you know, down to the center of the fucking earth and it's molten caramel well, core.
0: They're hiding behind the fact that they think is the First Amendment right to to have a sex tape of someone. And put it for the public They try to claim that Since Hogan's a public f- figure He has no privacy Which That's bullshit That's insane Because it wasn't like He was out in the street Having sex with someone That it was ins- different. It was in someone's house Yes uh, There's no journalistic value uh, Which is part of the case Was there any journalistic value to what Gar- to what Gawker does No Like outing male prostitutes That are gay No There's no journalistic value At all to that And there's none to this To right. doing a sex tape online Against someone's will and then probably leaking the, the the racist tirade on top of that to put, to put fuel on the fire. Uh, unbelievable. So I know we, talk, we talked about you have a, a lawyer friend that might have commented that, that this is the first round that might get overturned.
1: Yeah, I, I, have, a, I have a friend who, who, who went to law school and, 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 and he does believe that and I can't get I, I honestly don't know that much he believes that if this goes to appeals it will probably get overturned. Um, for for various reasons, not not because it was not valid, but because the entire uh, the entire um, trial was a, a fucking circus show, essentially. Because um, Hogan wearing his his do Well, there was something <laughs> along the lines. Of, yeah, I mean, he said he something along the durag. lines of that Hogan actually filed a motion to be allowed to wear his fucking bandana in the courtroom. I mean, we're talking insanity level shit here. Um, but uh, fact of the matter is. Uh, I mean, here's my last statement on it Because I don't have a whole lot to say I don't know a shitload about the law Hogan is pretty fucking despicable So is Gawker They're fucking perfect for each other The end
0: <laughs> But but Hogan didn't do anything That cost him $140 million
1: <laughs> That's No, but like I said I can separate the two out I can yeah. see Hogan is despicable And also find Gawker despicable Oh,
0: sure I, I think what will happen is that, that- if, if worst case scenario he gets appealed and overturned, they'll just retry. He'll still get a, ch- a ton of money. May not be 140 million, but it'll, it'll be enough to put Gawker down. Sure, because because if, if, if this stands, I, could Gawker survive this? I don't know how much money they make in a year. No,
1: it was but, already said they couldn't. It was um. what was, I read a factoid blurb somewhere that the total su- settlement was either. Thirty million or thirty percent more than than what what they were, what what they were actually worth.
0: And what and what a company's worth is usually what two to three years, what they do in one year. I think something like that is what how estimates usually happen. If you're trying to sell a website, or you know, you're not just saying how much you make in one year; it's multiple years. So they're probably if they're making thirty million a year, they're done. They can't, they can't, they can't take that sort of hit. So all right, all right, Hogan. Maybe you can buy WE now, buy enough stock to get back, put your name back on the website
1: alright so this has been I'm not going to mention anything by name we've been putting an end to a lot of long stories the past couple podcasts we ended a particularly interesting and long one last podcast and uh, Batman v Superman is out no Batman verse fuck off Batman verse Superman is out and early reviews are in now I'd like to point out that this is a story we've been covering since the very first fucking podcast. Sixty-eight episodes ago. Two and a half years ago. Nearly three, yeah. Two and a half, nearly three years ago. Um and I have not seen the movie. I will not see the movie. And if the current reviews rolling in continue the way they are, I'm not even going to bother with this on Netflix. I'm just going to pretend it never fucking happened. Because it's not worth two and a half hours of my time.
0: Well, three and a half once you account all the trailers and the time when you get to yes. the theater.
1: Well, I'm talking about at home. Oh. So I want to start with this first. A lot of people jumped to rub in my face. And mine a little bit. And, and Pets. That the pre release buzz from the premieres and the pre release screenings on Sunday was hot with multiple T's. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm not look uh, as much of a fanboy as I am going with, uh, for various movies. Uh if you go off pre-release like stuff like that you it's basically confirmation bias. Okay, the people who go to those are people who want to see the movie anyways. They want it to be good, and they're going to find the good things to say about it. They also don't want to piss off the people who perhaps invited them. The premiere people
0: are people involved with the making of the movie, the stars, the friends of the stars, the family of the people
1: that made the movie. Um, Yeah, that's a biased group. So I'm going to be honest here. If pre-release buzz for a Tron 3 came out and it was positive... I'd be excited, okay. right? Okay, I, I mean, i I understand this failing, but you have to take these things with a grain of salt. When certain pre-release buzz reviews for a movie state something as outlandish as, "So if this is a race between DC and Marvel, DC just caught up with one movie." That's literally something I read. Wow! Like how? Wow. Do I- <laughs> how do you first of all? How do you quantify that? that? I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's been two movies in this universe. And- Versus the the
0: 20 in right. the Marvel universe, you know. So, I mean, 15. I'm
1: not trying to get stupid, but all I'm saying is, you cannot judge a movie based on pre-release buzz. You just can't. Sure, if you're a fan and you're really looking forward to it, and someone's like, hey, it was good, Fine. Understandably you're going to be excited But you're not going to convince me or anyone else Who's skeptical about it with pre-release buzz uh, I'm going to say this To all the people
0: that say don't, uh, don't go by the critics Watch the movie yourself
1: Well you just went by the critics
0: Well they went by the worst They went by non-professionals yes. That were have a, have a biased interest In liking the movie so- But cr- critics by and large When it comes to genre films Are pretty good when you talk about superhero movies, there's been probably thirty to forty superhero movies released in what the past fifteen years. Yes, something that include all the X Men ones, sure. all the one offs like the DC one with the, about the Cowboy, sure, and even stuff like Cowboys and Aliens is a graphic novel. You want if you want to count Ninja Turtles, Kickass, ass, want,
1: kick ass kick, Two.
0: Thank you very much. Um, uh, what Wanted or whatever the hell ones with Angel- Angelina Pop, Jolie? Scott Pilgrim was a comic book movie. You, you see where I'm going? Yes. In those. And of course, like the fifteen Marvel Universe movies, yeah, and the, and the the, the five Spider Mans and all that stuff. In that sort of swath of thirty to forty movies, there was ones on the low end, like Catwoman at nine percent, and then you have like uh, Captain America: Civil War and Guardians of the Galaxy at ninety percent. So it's not like the critics are biased against these movies, right? They know a good one versus a bad one. They're not They've ra- seen enough of them.
1: They're not rating this low because it's a superhero movie. So let's get to the... Uh, so we're looking at Rotten Tomatoes, right? And yes. as of right now, it is sitting at 35%. With
0: 51 reviews, which will be probably about almost half of the mainstream reviews that come in. This is not going to get a fresh rating of 60, that's for sure. No.
1: And this here's the thing. So early this morning we started it was 13 It went to 15. I believe before we started, you said it was actually up at 43. A couple more reviews roll in. Negative. Bring it right back down to 35. Um, This does not bode well for the future of the uh, Snyderverse or the current... I mean, yes, I know Snyder's not directing all the movies, but this does not bode well for the direction DC has chosen to take. And... We had discussed rumors on a previous podcast about how WB was not excited about what was happening uh, and how some some actual pre-release screenings, probably involving critics or whatever, did not test particularly well, or at least with people who were not inclined to like the movie. Um, and um, 35% does not give you a, a good jumping-off point for something that's supposed to be as big as Justice League. And no. while Pat earlier today told me that he's read reviews that said it is not nonstop action, a lot of the people who have told me they liked this movie, or that I've read that liked this movie, have been like, great action start to finish, lots of action, this and that. That is also not a good basis for creating a universe. No. Um, I mean, we've said it before, and it bears repeating, because this may be what ends up happening. You needed to establish your Superman You needed to establish your Batman Even if I don't like the direction That Snyder is taking You cannot jump from a solo Superman movie Into this Into Justice League It's, it's so insane to think you can make That cohesive and a believable Fun storyline In that short period of time um,
0: So While also throwing in a, a Justice League set up with cameos Of three Justice League members and Doomsday
1: that, you know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like Spider-Man three,
0: and and a couple, at least one review said you. Have, I think they said you have Avengers. Age of Ultron and Spider-Man 2, I mean, Spider-Man 2 to, to thank for this because there were so many scenes that were just set up for future movies like those two were. Avengers Age of Ultron only got about 70% of Rotten Tomatoes and I liked the movie but it was not an excellent movie Age of Ultron, I did enjoy it though oh, like I so, said but it I was, totally like, agree with that, that there were scenes yeah. in there just to set up future movies, no, absolutely I,
1: I like both Avengers movies but they're, they're not particularly high on my Marvel, my Marvel Universe list, so I think what we're going to see potentially is what the rumors stated, um Snyder's vision is not working. Snyder's vision is fucking well, one note. Well, here's the thing. And we're
0: at we're at thirty-five percent, which is eighteen fresh, thirty-three rotten. It's not gonna get that much higher than that. But more importantly, the average rating is five point three out of ten. Yes. Even the po- one of the positive reviews that counted towards one of the eighteen positive was IGN's review, was a six point eight. That was the positive review, was not even a seven out of ten. Right. That's not shooting for the moon right there. No. So more importantly when you talk about what the top critics are, are saying so so far there's uh, you know people from like the new york stars uh, new york new york stars uh, star ledger time magazine rolling stone newsday we're talking about you know new york post usa today variety there's been uh, 15 reviews only 4 out of the 11 have been positive of the 15 4 out of the 11 so if you're banking on critical acclaim cuz remember you can have a, a movie make a ton of money the first weekend yeah, banking on the marketing alone or the star power but word of mouth is how you get more casual people or repeat, repeat business Winter Soldier shocked everyone by how much money it made because it did so much more than the original Captain America right and that was on word of mouth, saying, holy fuck, and good reviews, saying, holy fuck, this isn't just a good superhero movie, this is just an excellent movie in general. Yeah,
1: elev- I, I, I don't want to sound stupid, but that was a movie that elevated the superhero movie genre. It, it did. really did.
0: It, it, at least it provided a template for something you do differently, versus yeah. just having bad guys beat up supervillains versus you know superheroes. I'm just going to read a few of the top critics, and I'll read some of the good ones, too. I'll just run through a few of them. Uh, from Detroit News, uh, this is a negative... The heavyweight title bout between Batman and Superman is a smash to the senses, the same way being tossed around in a rollover car accident would jolts one system. From Newark Star Leisure, Stephen Witte, plays less like a prequel for the JLA uh, than a greatest hits medley of every superhero movie ever made. A little Dark Knight rises here, a bit of Batman begins there, all spiced up with some X-Men topicality. The thing is, none of it convinces. From uh, Time Magazine, as, super, as superhero spectacles go, Zack Snyder's Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice is a grand one with a mondo operatic climax and a final shot infused with quivering, exhilarating molecules of grace. It's also not much fun. Here's a positive one for Rolling Stone: three out of four. Three out of four. Snyder, juiced up by Hans Zimmer's caffeinated score, throws everything at the screen until resistance is futile.
1: That doesn't, that sounds that's, good to that's me. positive, right? That's the problem. I don't this. What that sounds like, it just sounds like a throwback to Michael Bay-style movies where you just, you're assaulted the entire time.
0: Another negative one. I'm not going to read all of them, but overlong, underdeveloped, and almost entirely humorless Batman v Superman may please die hard fans by pitting two DC icons against each other. Everyone else may want to wait for the next Marvel movie. And here's again, this is a positive review. It hurdles not with the kinetic momentum of Mad Max Fury Road, nor the comparatively spry skip of a Marvel movie, but with an operatic grandeur it sometimes earns and often doesn't. That's a positive
1: review, and I mean they also said I mean, and this is more of my personal beef. They said that the Superman that we saw in uh, Man of Steel is even more sullen and dark in this. So, so, so now we're dealing with an even more grim, dark Superman, which is just fucking dumb. I would just like to read my favorite snippet. I haven't read the review because all I needed was the headline. This is from uh, uh, the UK GQ magazine, and this is the headline. <laughs> Batman v Superman will make you hate Batman, Superman, and the Justice League. Subtitle. This is a film so bad it wears you down and makes you wonder if there was ever such a thing as a hero anyway. Jesus. Oh, and again, we, we might where we're being gleeful I'm, out of reaction I here. Need, I, I wanted to uh, say this first. I'm not happy. No, I'm not. I want to see characters I want to see characters I like, and I like both these characters. I want to see them in good fucking movies. I
0: like the Batman character a lot. I don't like the Superman character as much. He can be done. But he's he's the he's the he's the icon he's the first superhero you have to respect him. and i love the original superman with christopher reeves isn't one of the still one of the best superhero movies my opinion uh i went on dvd i'm not i'm not a dc hater he's not a dc hater we don't like the direction that they chose to go in their cinematic universe with zack snyder at the helm sorry yep That's what it
1: always comes back to. I don't have to like everything because I like the characters. I I like
0: the Nolan Batman movies. I like them a lot.
1: Yeah, I did too. I don't have to like every Mario game. I don't have to like every album that a band puts out. And I don't have to like every fucking superhero movie or every direction that someone wants to take it in. And I think this is confirming it. Like I said before, Snyder has one note. And his note is grim, dismal, dark, and fucking depressing. And it doesn't have to be sunshine and roses But uh I'm sorry A a moody Bitchy pissy Superman Is not That's not a twist that's reinvent That's remaking the character
0: I mean I we never brought this up before And I don't want to say how much this goes into it But Zack Snyder's wife Deborah Snyder produces all these movies That he directs I don't know how much influence Deborah Snyder has at Warner Brothers But the Where's this going? But I'm just saying was if that was an influence though to have your husband uh sort of be the guy behind the entire cinematic universe uh, sure if that was part of the decision I'm gonna say that's a that's a fucking awful reasoning to to do that, especially after uh man of Steel didn't do gangbusters it did all right, but it didn't do like holy shit this is the guy we want to well, lead it wasn't, the
1: way. I mean I don't, I'm not we don't need to dwell on this too much longer but didn't didn't we check once and man of Steel was like sixty to seventy Oh on, oh, on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, I think it was Certified Fresh, but... All I'm saying all is if... Right all I'm saying is if Man of Steel did, does better than this...
0: 56%. So that was Rotten too.
1: Well, if this ends up... But it was
0: 6.2 out of 10, which is so far a little bit higher than...
1: All I gotta say is if that ends up better than this, then, I mean, there's zero chance I'm going to well, see that movie. it all
0: depends on if Warner Bros., they already have a Suicide Squad in the can. That's gonna come out, yes. which doesn't look related to this at all, which is good, besides Affleck having a cameo.
1: Actually, I don't have a lot of interest in it, but, I mean, just comparatively, it looks like a way better
0: movie. They're Guardians of the Galaxy, whatever. I'll see that way before this. Yeah. Um, and then you have uh, Wonder Woman in the can, which is fine. And then, But supposedly, they're gonna start shooting the Justice League movie very soon. So if they're gonna halt it and sort of reconsider what the hell they're doing, they better reassess after this weekend and pull the plug and say, "Let's pump the brakes, do a couple more standalones."
1: Yeah, they need to get a standalone Batman. Get a Batman one in there. No, get
0: the Wonder Woman out and help throw in a a Flash one or whatever.
1: And and like I like Wonder Woman, but it's crazy. It's fucking crazy to me that. Wonder Woman will get a standalone movie before JLA but Batman will not like you, for this universe yeah I mean at the very least you would need Wonder Woman, Superman and Batman to get standalone movies. I think those are the three most important characters to get standalone yeah. movies before you try to establish an Avengers type film.
0: Sure, you could even go the route of um you know have Wonder Woman come out next year and then you do uh, their JLA without Batman vs Superman do it next year like 5 months later or 3 months after. You know what I mean? Like Marvel did that. With you know, with uh, Avengers, you had Thor come out, you know, like six months before, and then you do your your do do a, do a model like that. But the whole point is that if DC, if 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 Warner Brothers wants to care about these movies doing the success of Marvel, it can't just be we have all these superheroes. They have to be well written uh, and well directed as well. If that, if that's the case, then you would not have. Uh, if if Iron Man was crap and Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, you know, but even before, even before Guardians, if Thor. Imagine a Thor movie. I could have imagined a Thor movie 15 years ago. Right. If they weren't done with all the care, all the patience, you would never have gotten to an Avengers movie. It would have collapsed. Yes. And the Captain America, first Cap- Captain America movie, that could have went awry as well.
1: And this is either going to collapse or WB is going to continue to or, fucking burn money. Or they'll
0: be, they'll be happy to make, to make a, 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 a mediocre profit with, with mediocre movies. Because sure. people will see a JLA, G, JLA movie, but it won't do as well as the Avengers movie if 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 it's the quality that this looks like.
1: I'm sure this will con- this will make some money. I'm sure whatever they want to put out with the DC name on it will make money. Um, it just doesn't mean it's... A- they're deluding themselves if they think, if with the current direction, it's going to live up to the same standards that the Marvel Universe does.
0: And unfortunately, all the casual people will always compare it to... The the Marvel movies because they've been out now for eight years and that's just and that may not be fair but they'll be like hey uh, you know this was whack compared to uh, you know like Civil War you know I I showed someone went to the movies with someone not not a big not a big uh, superhero fan at all and she she watched the uh, for the first time on the big screen the Batman v Superman trailer the one with Doomsday and she said without coaxing her she said ooh that
1: was lame without coaxing her yeah she said that. So you're going to get the diehards, but you're not going to get the, the trickle in audience. Yeah. It's time. It's time for some Q and a on the CU podcast. On the CU podcast. This is from heavy metal demon. Talk about Twitter and how there's little context. So some people sound like trolls. Um, this is what the 10 year anniversary of Twitter yeah, just coming Basically and going. talking about how Twitter with its with its with its short you know uh, 140 characters with, with, yeah with its 140 character limit how there's little context in you know perhaps tone and a lot of things are lost
0: not just tone Twitter is not designed for meaningful conversation or nuanced conversation no whenever I see hashtags with either political topics or anything semi-controversial I'm like, well, this is gonna get solved over Twitter. You know, it'd be like if I'd be talking to Ian about it, something in particular, like a complex topic. Then all of a sudden,
1: yeah, that's Twitter. Yeah, I agree. Um, every time someone brings up something, in, whether it's it's political or fucking game related or uh, you know more more social uh, aspects, um, it's it's. I just, no matter what I want to say, I stay out of it because all it becomes is a shouting match of one-liners. Mm-hmm. And and blurbs you've heard from somewhere, you you do not get a chance to defend your position. And there is almost, in an argument on Twitter, there is absolutely almost zero way to have a conversation that has any potential to have someone see your side. Because it's not a
0: conversation. Because it's not. Right. You're, you're shouting a, an emotional 140 character blurb at someone. Right. It's like getting into a shouting match with like a 10 second time limit. That's yep. what you're basically doing. It's great for sharing information. It's like, it's like the number one news source for a lot of things. Yeah. Unfortunately, when we recorded today, there were, there were the terrorist attacks in, in Belgium that happened today. Oh, and that, that broke on Twitter. And then you, everyone, you find all the information. When it, the Arab Spring in 2008, that's when I remember tweeting in 2008. And I said, now Twitter's taken seriously now. Because this is like right. people sharing ideas. And people were saying, uh, oh, the police are here. Uh, we're gathering over here. And that was all
1: shared on Twitter. As my friend John and I were talking about the other day, um, Twitter's great for news because what it does is it gives you a headline that you then go and Google, and then you read a more in-depth article about it. You're not going to get your actual news necessarily. Well, there's breaking news, people tweeting stuff there first. But what I'm saying is you see that tweet, and then you go elsewhere to look into it deeply. But
0: it's also a nice synthesis of what's happening. It's like
1: Well, you can get that person-on-the-street feel from it, too
0: you 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 hear or feel what's hot out there whether it's news yeah. sports you see what everyone's talking about what the, what the buzz is it's really it's really what what uh, what like a, like a buzz center of what's going on uh, you see what's trending you click on it and that's what people are talking about you know i'm'm I'm, I'm, obviously I'm giving Twitter one on one but the reason I like Twitter though is that you can go in and out of with it without feeling obligated to it mm mm-hmm. That's why I like it better than Facebook. Facebook, you feel like you have to always be checking in on it. Like what are people posting on my wall? What fucking groups are they adding me to without my permission? It's a chore compared to Twitter. Twitter's
1: I mean. a fling. Yeah, I mean yes. you can go it's back a fun fling. Yeah. It's, it's all commitment. You can go back and forth to it as much as you want. I can take a week off or I can be heavily involved in it for five days. Have a I- quickie. I, I like Twitter. I, I have I've met a lot of cool people on Twitter. I like fucking around late at night when I can't sleep on Twitter. Um, if I get a minute at work, I like you know screwing around on Twitter. I like Twitter, but yeah, it's 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 the lack. It's not so much even the lack of context. It's the lack of it's how fast it moves and how how little space you have to get across a point that um, makes it as unique and as fun as it is, but also makes it as inappropriate for certain types of discussions.
0: That's probably a good way of putting it. It's 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 almost like um, stuff you'd want to discuss at, at the dinner table. You know, you don't talk about politics and religion at the dinner table, right? But <laughs> you, you can yell about the movies you just saw or, or songs you like, real quick. I don't know.
1: Otherwise, you end up knocking green beans all over the place.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is from at Tay Gibb. With the Nintendo sixty four turning twenty this year, do you see the price of N sixty four games and consoles spiking?
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, sort of but the the price of n64 games and consoles have been have been on the rise for a few years probably i'd say about 2 years was really when we started to see the the real increase in price on these games where you know we had to start you know adjusting prices every 6 months or so just to stay ahead of people who would want to buy stuff and flip it um but I, I don't think it's because it's turning 20. I don't think everyone's going to be like, "Oh, it's magically the N64's 20th birthday. Let's all go out and do it." The, the reason is, is is a bit more is a bit more underlying, and it's because the people. It's 20 years old right now. The people that I see buying it the most are probably in their early 20s to mid 20s. This is at the point where these people have disposable income, jobs, live on their own, and they are now where we were 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I always felt like I started early at, like, fucking 16 or 17, but a lot of people who get, who get the itch to play their old games again do so in their 20s. And I think that's why we're going to continue to see prices on some of these titles rise. Unlike things like Nintendo, which... I still think it's going to be a slow crawl where I think we might see the rolling back of some prices. I know that we just redid all of our Nintendo pricing and uh you know there was a good number of games that that went down in price. Oh. Um I don't think we're there yet with M64. I think the common games are going to stick, but I think the popular games are going to unfortunately uh continue to rise. And I say unfortunately because I've mentioned this before. Um if you're a reputable reputable business, if the price of a game rises at retail, that means I have to pay more to get it, and it's also slightly harder to move because it's more expensive. I would like to see the N64 prices kind of stabilize at where they are now. I'm not particularly keen on seeing these things get any what's, more expensive. What's
0: Smash, like $50, $60 50 $60? 50 to 60 Jesus. Yeah. This would be like a $15 game.
1: <laughs> Dude, when I first started there, we were selling it for 20 bucks a pop. So... Yeah, I mean, yes, I I do see the I see things rising and spiking throughout this year, not just because it's turning twenty, but because it coincides nope. with the age of people who want to relive that.
0: I that mean, we're almost to the point where we're going to see
1: like uh you know like a knockoff N64 consoles. We're not going to for a while. Uh, pe- pe- people like to pretend it's not that so much the pet There's no demand, you think? No, there's demand. Uh, people like to pretend like N64 emulation is fine and dandy. It's not. The N64 is a very very much a not entirely understood system um i mean we we are they are making progress things are more than playable you know uh, there are ever drives but we're also on like the third or fourth version of the n64 ever drive because they're still figuring this shit out the n64 is well known to be one of the more complex systems out there and i think we're a long way off from some sort of system on a chip clone
0: okay that makes that makes perfect sense
2: Alright
1: Alright This is from NES underscore Is underscore More <laughs>
2: NES yeah. is more
1: uh, You can keep your uh, You can only keep Your M82 No a- And enough games To fill it No Everdrive Ooh. What games do you choose Whoa.
0: Well What do I have My M82 I'll put some music In here I got DuckTales You approved Yep Castlevania Super Off-Road Blaze of Steel Rad Racer Life Force Mike Tyson's Punch-Out Sky Kid, Super Dodgeball, Hogan's Alley, Metroid, and Super Mario Two. Out of those, I would definitely keep Ducktales, Castlevania, uh, maybe Blades of Steel, uh, Mike Tyson's
1: Punch Out. No, no, you gotta take Sky Blades Kid. Of, you gotta take Blades of Steel out for ice hockey.
0: Well, I'll, I definitely want a black box game in there because the first time I ever played it, I think I told you Urban Champion was in there and Kid Icarus. Definitely keeping Super Punch, uh, Super Punch Out, Super Dodgeball is one of my favorite games in the system. Yep. Uh, and Super Mario 2 is my favorite Mario game out of all three so then you know I, I sw- maybe get a baseball stars in there I would do a black box game though black box game what about, what about, what about Danny maybe Ice Climber little Danny that's eh, too obvious <laughs> <laughs> why would you say that we never talk about Danny so it was in the heat you
2: <laughs> um, couldn't
1: take him out for ice cream if he was stuck in the M82 <laughs> <for ice cream.
0: laughs> What what black box game would you put in there? Oh, what's I, the, I, you want you need at least one zapper game out of the twelve.
1: Well, you've got Hogan's Alley. And is that probably I, the one I, you put I would, in? I would oh, say Hogan's Alley or Wild Gunman. As simple as Wild Gunman is, zapper- I'll stick
0: with Hogan's Alley since that was sure. the game that that's like the secondary zapper. Game. I
1: just think the more simplistic light gun games work better than the more complex. It, and Wild Gunman we, is very simple. We
0: always talk about the holy trinity of black box games because I put it in the back cover of the book Excite Bike. Hogan's Alley, and Kung Fu.
1: If if I had to do it, and I had only one black box game I could put in there, you can probably guess which Pro wrestling? one it is. No, it would actually be Clue Clueland.
0: Oh, okay. Well, you're a weirdo.
1: I love Clue Clueland. Clue Land, Balloon Fight, and Pro Wrestling are all good choices, It's like putting though.
0: Donkey Kong Jr. Math in for me, putting in Clue Clueland.
1: I, I, I mean, I, you're not wrong with those two choices. I'd probably put all three in.
0: But you would say Ice Hockey instead of Blaze of Steel. Yeah. To me, to me, they're both both the same quality. There's different games. No,
1: they're both fucking fantastic. I just think the history we have with ice hockey it deserves to be. Oh, in there. Oh,
0: well, I know we always have close matches. Yeah, uh, would you put in like Tecmo Bowl? Would you keep it to a certain era before 1990 to sort of keep that? Yeah, know, to, chief? Yeah, I think. But so. then, then, probably the M82 was sort of going out of style right after 1990. I would probably do it
1: pre-90, just because I mean we're talking the M82. This was to demo the system in its early years. So yeah, like 88. I'd probably, I'd probably keep it before 90. Like, I would say 89 is the cutoff.
0: So, but maybe cut off at Super Mario 3? Yeah. Early 90 90- and before? Mm-hmm. Well, what would you put in? A couple more?
1: Um, what else would I put in? I have got DuckTales in there already. Would, yeah, DuckTales would be an obvious for me. Um, Rockin' Cats would be too late. Uh, I'd probably put Zelda 2 in there. I, I don't think that would be a question for me. Um, I would also likely put in fuck, the Mario for me would be tough. I hate to sound stereotypical, I'd oh, probably yeah. just put Mario 1 in. Oh, okay. Uh, because I actually think Mario 3 You're is lame. one of my favorite games, but Mario 1 is just, I don't know, quintessential to it. Um, oh, you put in
0: Mario Duck Hunt and get get banged for your buck. No,
1: I'm not going to be... Gotta I'm, be not, I'm, cheap, not, I'm not going to be cheap? <laughs> <try> <laughs> to... <laughs> yeah, because that would not have been in there. Uh, uh, they only would put in games that you could buy. Castlevania would be in there for oh, me. No. Uh, Mega Man 2 would be in there for me. Okay. you got to p- throw in a Mega Man. you got to do that.
0: No unlicensed games. No, no that's unholy. Kitty no, City would not be. Kitty City that. would be caught dead putting that in their M eighty two. You can't that. I'm trying to actually think what Kitty City had in there. I really wish I could remember. But all I remember is Urban Champion, because I could barely beat a guy in the, in the two minute time limit, you know, whatever it was, a minute before they reset. And Kid Icarus, I couldn't even get halfway up to the level before it reset. Those two I remember specifically were in there. There was probably a game like, I don't know, maybe a Kid Nicky in there or something, a third party I was Star off. Soldier.
1: I'd put Star Soldier put a, in you put a, there. You put a I, shooter in there. I would like a good simple shooter in there.
0: We, we. I'll come back to this. You know what? I'm going to get Life Force the hell out of there. I've been souring on that in the past years. <laughs> from the last podcast, I'll, but I do have I do have Sky Kid in there though. That's pre. That's good. Yeah. It's like, like eighty eight, I think, or eighty seven. That's clutch. Um,
1: and then maybe you know. Mappy Land. Oh, Jesus God!
0: You know, I just released that uh, video game years eighty uh, three. I started cutting it up, which to me is when it starts to really. And the Mapyland segment is, is is the Mappy segment is like fantastic. <laughs> there's, there's, I mean, there's so many good segments in eighty three, but that uh, that was one of your shining moments. When did I do Dig Dug. I think that was eighty two. Eighty two. Wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, our 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 Namco build up.
1: We're spinning off. We're spinning off. Hit me.
0: Okay. Um at Kev Bibach, Do you think limited edition or special edition releases of games are overpriced or are they worth it?
1: I say this about a lot of things, and I think I've said this about these on here before, and it stands. It is worth it. If you want it, um, are they overpriced? Yes, probably. Um, will they maintain any value? Uh, no, not not at all. Um, you know, are they worth it? Like I said, well, that depends if you want it. But are they worth it in terms of collectability or monetary value? No. I cannot tell you how many times people come in with huge boxes of shit, and they just have all the toy crap from these special editions in there, and they expect me to give them money for it. Oh, this was limited. No, it wasn't in any real sense of the word limited. Some, like the stupid Pip-Boy sleeve that holds your phone, was pretty tough to get. We should probably put them on and show them the camera while we talk about it. Of course. But um, honestly, in five years' time... I mean, no I could be wrong. It's I, trash. No one's going to give a shit. I'm going to see those come into the store, and no one's going to want like them. It's like the
0: Call of Duty night vision goggles. But
1: someone's going to want me to spend money on them. Um, and my, my whenever people bring that up, I'm like, well, no, it's not worth anything. Well, it was limited. Well, then why are you getting rid of it? Well, I don't want it anymore. It's just taking up space. It's taking up yeah. space everywhere. I, and I don't want it because it's taking up space. Like
0: those Arkham the, the Joker statue. I saw some guy open one up new. Yeah, it looked cool as hell. I don't want it anywhere, though. I you know? It.
1: I, I mean, I mean, the thing is, is like, I so much of that limited stuff we end up, you know, years later we give away for free it's during It's not as limited sale. as you think, though. No, so it's either. Not. Like I said, some some like sell out, but a lot of those things. The pre-orders are so far in advance that they just make them to fill the pre-order for so the if, amount of people. So
0: if they pre-order a hundred thousand, there's a hundred thousand
1: made. If they pre-order five hundred, then you know there's probably a thousand made. And I, I mean, I mean, there are stories. I, I mean, it happens almost every time. Like when Fallout New Vegas, I think, came out or Fallout Three. You know, a week after launch, you could go to like it was yeah, it was Fallout Three because Circuit City was still around. You could go and buy the lunchbox limited edition that everyone thought was going to be worth a nice. fuck ton right off the shelf. I mean, it, these aren't limited. I mean, that, that limited it, edition. Be dialing, people. You, you maybe have a limited <laughs> amount of time to pre-order it, but you, you 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 are not. The amount of them is not truly limited. Um, so like, I don't know. Like, I, like we I got some sports cars. we open the box right now. Remember that guy selling yeah. the parts? What I want? Yes, I do. They're limited. I used to love that. <laughs> um, but I mean, all I wanted to say was, you know, this is stuff that we end up getting because pe- we don't give money for it, and people are like, "Well, I don't want it." So we give it away for free during sales or if a customer sees it behind the counter and they take a particular interest in it, I give it away for free. I got, I took the alien from a limited edition Colonial Marine set because I did I mean, I don't want the fucking game but the alien looked cool, so I took it. It's now in my house. I didn't buy the limited edition. I didn't pay a fucking thing for it. I certainly didn't pay a $30 premium on top of the game to get it. Yeah,
0: I like the fact that I'm glad I'm not a collector of that generation or this generation or, or the Xbox 360. Because then you got to think about the 50 limited editions you got to buy where well, all the
1: boxes are this fucking big. They're as big as a console. Are basically... Where do you put that shit? I'll, I'll, I'll close out with two things. Um, the old style, and I mean like late 90s Japanese limited editions were really cool. Some of them came with like fucking teacups. Some of them came with clocks. Uh, Some of them came in boxes that were massive, but had lots of cool shit in them. Square Enix did a run at the end of the PlayStation's lifespan of a bunch of limited editions of their big games that had all sorts of cool stuff with them. Um, I am kind of a sucker for limited editions with art books because I like art books. However, those aren't generally considered limited because any... Like, for instance, when Atlas does something with an art book, it's not really a limited edition. It's if you get it any time within the first three months of the game being out, it's gonna be one of the versions with the art book. It's just the first run of the game. And generally with a lot of that stuff there's only one run, so if you get it, you get the art book. So like I said, it's it's up to you. We got the Mark McGuire rookie
0: card right here. We're going to open the pack right now and see what's inside. And
1: I'm going to throw in ten knives. We got a Sammy Sosa. <laughs> we got a Sammy Sosa right here for you. Be dialing people. There's nothing better than watching home shopping on acid. That was the <laughs> fucking best. Okay. Last topic. There goes
0: my voice. Holy shit. Yeah. What do you think of uh, at DJ John Douglas? What do you think about playing games for achievements or trophies? Rather than for enjoyment, how can one stop doing so?
1: Okay, so I'm going to kind of break this up. Um, if you play games for achievements and trophies, and you enjoy it, that that's fine. I have friends who do. I don't get the appeal, but you know, if it helps them get well a little something more out of their game, you know, yeah. because because it doesn't always have to be about score. It could be an interesting way to look at a game. Like if you look at an achievement, and it's like, oh. You know, five victories this way, well, that might be fun to work towards. Um, Just as a thing to do, because you wouldn't have thought of it on your own. Mm -hmm. But there's achievements
0: for every little fucking thing. No,
1: I know. So, if you're playing it for achievements and trophies rather than enjoyment, you're one of those fucking hardcores that I don't understand. And I don't know how to tell you to stop doing it, other than to realize that you are wasting your money on a number or a collection that is going to be fucking meaningless as soon as that console is gone. I mean, granted, like achievement points and, I mean, and, and trophies have carried over, but you, you're working towards something that means nothing.
0: I personally see it as a Pavlonian sort of serotonin release that. It's like a, a feedback. Ooh, you get a little jolt every like twenty five seconds when you see an achievement where it does something to you to keep you get you to keep playing.
2: I um,
1: or,
0: or you get like mentally addicted sure. to it. Sure,
1: I I do think as much as I I mean as Microsoft I'm soured on Microsoft this generation. I do think the achievement system was done a little bit better because as you do something it pops up and it tells you You're like oh that's kind of neat. But I never paid attention to my gamer score. Trophies are a little bit weirder. I don't like the trophy system as much. But either way, I never played any game with that in mind and i never considered getting all, I, I have never once considered getting all the achievements or trophies in a game it's just not something that oh. interests me i would have liked to have done it in wipe out uh wipe out Excel, but or not XL, whatever the fucking one on the ps3 well, was but i mean i didn't it's not like you trade these in for anything do you no no they, they're, they're you don't I, get like I, a skin or a weapon it's literally bragging rights that's it it's bragging rights
0: do you know anyone that's ever bragged to someone else about? Is, yes. Are we a generation behind or too far ahead that we're like twelve years old and we're bragging about yes. my rocket launcher jump achievement yes. that I got in a game? Yes. Holy like I fuck. said, I do
1: know people who casually enjoy just chasing them because they personally find it fun, and it's not a bragging thing for them. They just, like I said, it gives them a new way to look at a game they may have already beaten. That's that,
0: that's fair, but
1: I'm talking about the ones like achievement. You pressed X. No. Yes. You know, it's like, oh, you opened the there- door up. I think there was one of those in street fighter four where it was like you pressed a and it literally gave you like a five uh five point achievement for oh the battle is on or something like that <laughs> it was just like oh my fucking if, I god i mean if, if that's if that's
0: being somewhat ironic, that I, I wouldn't mind that i just think that's funny oh we don't want to see your podcast we are it was an efficient we 20, like 24 25 topics two and a half hours Yeah, two hours 40 minutes maybe oh my god W- longer than Batman v Superman, of- which while we're sitting here has gone down. Has Is it? Thirty seven percent now. What was it at thirty nine before?
1: No, it was at thirty five. So it's actually jumped up. Oh, it's jumped up. Yeah,
0: it's at eighteen fresh and thirty three rotten. So it got one more fresh and one more rotten. I think.
1: Okay, or a couple. Well, more no, that would have kept it the same. I think probably. No, no,
0: left. it wouldn't keep it the same for, from percentage. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right you're,
1: right. you're right.
0: Sorry, my bad. Mathy and math.
1: Fuck off. So eleven thirty two.
0: Uh, well I missed my burrito I'll have to get Wendy's so um, we have a Patreon patreon.com slash pixelsickle for the podcast I have one as well but I won't step on toes but I will step on toes with a book that you can (laughs) pre-order or get the digital one out now at thepunkeffect.com slash ultimate NES you can get the combo pack or the physical book pre-order hopefully you'll get that in May still gotta finalize that bad boy tomorrow and the digital version an EPUB or PDF version available with your download code so um, and I got a convention coming up and blah blah. blah. Who cares? I'm tired. Ian's tired. Mm. This was a luxurious podcast. Luxurious, really. A little rambunctious. No no chameleons to be seen. God damn it! Of.
1: Twice mentioned.
0: You brought it up the first time. <laughs> I think you almost brought it up a second time. Uh, and we brought up GameStop too. And 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 Batman vs Superman it was it was the it was the holy trinity of, of podcast topics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: <basically.
0: laughs> uh, well, no, Ninja Turtles would be kind of a fourth one. Uh, so anyway for Ian Ferguson for Ian Ferguson hello bye I'm Pat Contry we'll see you in two weeks hopefully and uh, anything else I'm missing I don't know I'm tired as hell
1: no we're done